This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, folks? My Take Radio, episode 70 for Thursday, December 16th, 2010. The intro music you just heard was the Street Fighter II Frets of Fury mix from ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. The artist for that track was Vertex Guy. The caller number is 347-324-3541. Again, that caller number is 347-324-3541. All right, little housekeeping first. First off, the Splatterhouse contest ended last week. Um, 100% on the level with you guys. Not very happy with the turnout um, for a multitude of reasons. But nonetheless, uh, the entry from Raven and the entry from Mist were the winning entries. Both of those people will be receiving Splatterhouse shirts. Um, Mist, I think, did not want a shirt. But if she wants to give the shirt to someone, by all means, she is welcome to email me her address, and I will send her a shirt nonetheless because um, her entry was really kick-ass. I liked Raven's entry as well. Um, the remaining shirts that are left will be um, awarded via a Twitter contest just because there's not, you know, there's not going to be a structure for contests in place for a little bit until I figure out how to work the participation angle um, just a couple of things I was not too happy with in regards to the contest turnout. I'm not going to go into it because that'll be something that'll consume a lot of showtime. But nonetheless, please note that Raven and Mist are the contest winners. By all means, feel free to congratulate them either in the chat or on the Facebook fan page. And again, just make sure to email me your address at mtrhost at gmail.com, and I will send out the shirts, and you should have them hopefully before Christmas. Uh, the donation button, you guys know the deal with that. I'm not going to get into too many details. The ads are being changed to 125 by 125 format probably before January 1st. Um, in addition to that, our forums, getting a lot of new members in there, a lot of new activity. But um, I made the announcement in the forum. I also made the announcement in the fa on the Facebook fan page, and I will make it here as well. If you are a member of the forum, and you have not used your account in over 30 days, if ever, um, December 31st, your account will be deleted starting January 1st. If you log on to the site and you haven't used your account in 30 days for whatever reason, it will be deleted. Three reasons why I'm doing this. Number one, if you sign up and you don't contribute, then why bother being a member? Number two, this is a community that's built on the feedback of fellow community members. And if you can't take five seconds out of your day that's filled with Farmville, Facebook, Twitter, and countless other small and trivial bits of social networking to actually contribute to something that's growing and that allows your voice to be heard, then you don't need to be there. And number three, it's just a, a, a trimming fat uh, 
scenario where some people are just there and they're taking up space. So your account will be deleted come December 31st. If for whatever reason you haven't used your account because you're injured, dead, in a coma, or some other shit, by all means, email me at mtrhost at gmail.com or send me a PM via the forum um, letting me know why you haven't used your account at least, and I will not delete it. But come January 1st, your account may be gone, so make sure you log in. And at minimum, if you're going to start posting, don't post first or yes or bump or any of that other typical forum bullshit that people do to keep their accounts active. Uh, meaningful posts, meaningful commentary. Otherwise, your shit's still going to get deleted. So no more fucking around, no more hand-holding. Um, that, that's just going to be the, the lean and mean version of the MTR forums going forward. Uh, the chat for the MTR forums is active. Um, it is using the tiny chat protocol. You can log in with Twitter, Facebook. Uh, you can log in with just guest accounts. And you can just communicate with other members of the site, not only through the forum, but now through the chat. There's still a, a bit of a, of a weeding out process in terms of whether that's going to be the existing chat room format going forward. But as of right now, it's, it's the best option given that you can log in through so many other methods. But Again, that is subject to change as of now. The tiny chat protocol will be uh, the go-to chat format. We actually used it for the VGA live chat that we did for the, for the Spike TV Awards, and um, I'd say it was very successful. There were a lot of people in there that were contributing, and you know, a lot of fun commentary was had. Uh, Nisi was in there, De Silva, myself, Slick, um, people popping in and out. Uh, giving their thoughts on the Video Game Awards. I actually wrote a little bit about that in this week's um, My Take On post regarding the Spike TV Video Game Awards, and I will actually go into the event a little bit in detail on the show. In addition to that, um, a ton of new movie trailers were put on the site this week, um, just, you know, Fast and Furious, um, Thor, a couple of others there that caught my attention that I'm sure you guys can check out. By all means, feel free to share your comments either through the Facebook fan page or on the site. There's actually a nice new commenting system in place called Discuss, where you can just log in with any of the existing social networking protocols and you can make that work. Um, as always, our content partners this week in wrestling and MMA Valor have been contributing articles. MMA Valor wrote a great uh, Fight Picks post regarding the WEC event, which is actually going on right now. It's WEC 53. I think probably De Silva is watching it as well, um, definitely an event that I'm actually taping on the DVR and I will watch later on. Um, I've been hearing bits and pieces, or, well, I've been seeing bits and pieces regarding results on Twitter, but I've been trying to remain spoiler-free, so I will check that out after this week's show, and I'll be able to discuss it in detail next week. In addition to that, the, um, the ad campaign that's currently being used is going to be changed um, there are some supporters of the site that will be having their ads on there going forward just for just you know just as a show of support and solidarity, but I will be actually offering ad packages um, if you'd like your ad to be shown on mytakeradio.com by all means and possibly in our forums, drop me a line mtrhost at gmail.com for further details. Um, three reasons why I'm doing this number one to introduce you guys to other types of products, other types of things that that MTR would like to support. Number two, of course, to generate revenue. I'm not going to bullshit you guys. It needs to be done. And um, 
of course, number three, I just want to continue building relationships. I was actually on a conference call earlier with the Beantown Gamer Crew, um, sharing some information about MySake Radio, what we're about, where we want to go, um, ways that we can work together to grow our respective brands. Um, definitely got to give a shout out to Billy. Also spoke to Otaku Gamer. He does the Otaku Ga- the Otaku Gamer site and some of the Beantown Gamer staff. Really cool bunch of dudes. They're hungry. Um, they share a lot of the same vision that we here at MTR share. So I definitely look forward to any work or partnerships that will be going on with them in the future. Um, in addition to that, I'm trying to line up the guest calendar to round out uh, the final couple of shows for 2010 and also open up 2011 with a bang. Um, the last two episodes of the mo- of the month will be one pretty much almost like a best of uh, for MMA and wrestling. I'm going to try and talk to some of our previous guests with um, knowledge of MMA and wrestling just to cover things we liked and disliked that went on in both respective sports for 2010. In addition to that, for video games and movies, I will also do a best of That'll be, of course, people from the video game blogging community, um, site com- site owners, community managers, things of that nature to discuss the things we liked, disliked, and the things we are most looking forward to for 2011 and, of course, to close out 2010. Uh, those are things that will be happening, hopefully, with the last two episodes. What guests they will be, I have no official names yet. Um, I'm going to try and see who wants to get together just because it is the last two weeks of the year, very busy time, of course, for people and their family. So those are things to look forward to. But starting in January, there will be I will be working my hardest to ensure that we have guests for the first month of the year just because there's a lot of shit to do. Um, definitely one of the one of the things I'm going to try and do is, is get a bigger group of guests from varying panels. I've gotten a couple of emails and some feedback this week about people liking when I have fighters and wrestlers on. I also got an email from one person that really enjoyed uh, the interview with Darksiders as well as the, um, the interview with Alan from Raptor, from the Raptor service. Um, they really enjoyed how, how casual our atmosphere is. So definitely something that's going to open some doors in the near future, of course, the crew from MMA Gospel putting in some work. Those guys actually had one of the fighters from the last UFC event, John Howard, uh, this past week. And then um, Gray Maynard will be joining MMA Gospel, I think, next week. So definitely a shout-out to those guys. If you like MMA, uh, definitely check them out on Wednesdays. And, of course, check us out as well. But with that said, we're going to start it off with some MMA news. I actually loaded up some bumpers this week that will help get every segment set up. So, of course, that's going to wrap up housekeeping. Uh, Tonight's topics, of course, we're going to discuss UFC 124. want to go into that. I want to discuss the Video Game Awards. And for that, I'm definitely going to ask Slick to call in when I get into that because I want to discuss that with him since we did the live chat and watch the event together. In addition to that, we're going to talk some box office totals. We're going to talk a little bit about what happened on Raw this week. Wrestling news were a little scarce. I do want to discuss something that happened with a former WWE superstar and a sex tape. Definitely want to get into that, and I want to share my opinions with that. And just the the usual madness and mayhem. And again, if you want to call and discuss any of the topics, the number is 347-324-3541. With that, let's talk some MMA first. Yeah. 
talk some MMA first. This past weekend, of course, was UFC 124, which was, of course, the main event with St. Pierre Koscheck 2, which, of course, is one of those things that everybody was on pins and needles to see. There was a lot of animosity, a lot of bad blood going on between fans as well as fighters. George St. Pierre playing the con, the, the calm, cool, and collective dude. And, of course, Koscheck playing the proverbial asshole. The thing about this is that, and, and you know, I, I definitely I discussed this with Mist, um, who she, she, she put it in a different spin. I definitely got to give a shout-out to her for, for putting it like this. Josh Koscheck um, played the villain very well. I feel that the way he played the villain in striving to get under GSP's skin was working because when you went, when I saw the weigh-ins and I actually got to see the show um, later on this, earlier on this week, the animosity and the hatred from the Canadian fans was fantastic. It was one of those things where it was so electric and the atmosphere was so great that it showed that MMA has, has really reached that, that epic boxing level um, mainstream appeal where people are sitting there and they're passionate and they really believe in, in, in the fighters. And, you know, not to say that, that in other venues this doesn't happen and in other events it doesn't, this does not happen, but you have to take into account that when you're in the backyard for, uh, with one of the most prolific and most well-known faces in MMA, and that's not to say that other guys aren't, but GSP, he's the, how can I say it? He is pretty much what Mario is to Nintendo. You know, he's, uh, he's sponsored by Under Armour, mainstream, um, not an ugly-looking dude, uh, very good for the sport, well-mannered, soft-spoken. The guy knows how to sell you on the sport. And you need guys like that as the face of your company. And when it was in, when it was in Montreal and it was that, that fight feel, it, it was an amazing spectacle to see. And, you know, I can, I can go into all the nuances of the event and all the things that happened. I got to say this, though. When you look at UFC 124, you don't just look at it as GSP versus Koscheck. You don't look at it as, you know, Almeida and TJ Grant. You don't look at it as Thiago Alves. You don't look at it as Stephen Struve. You look at it as another step and another gain for the sport of MMA. By going into Canada, um, Dana White announced that they will be going to Toronto as well. It's huge. Also announced this week that they will be going to Brazil. These are all things that, as a sport, I, I really take pride in watching history unfold, not just for the UFC, but for the MMA in general. It's not just a, a thing where the UFC is, is making waves. Uh, promotions like Bellator trying to do their thing, Strike Force, smaller promotions just trying to get noticed, creating new talent. I really appreciate the fact that they're, they're putting in all that work. They're putting in all that work to get the mainstream appeal out there. And, and don't get me wrong, yeah, the UFC is definitely leading the charge in terms of MMA uh, mainstream appeal. But you know what? MTV's doing it with Bully Beatdown. You're seeing MMA fighters getting a little bit of showcase there, even if it's at the expense of bullies. You're learning about the, the King of the Cage promotion and fighters who you may not have known before and you're seeing on Bully Beatdown. And but you know what? For some fans, that's turning on a switch. Hey, let me see what promotion this guy fights for. Let me go check the guy out. Um, that's one of the things I really enjoy. Don't get me wrong. I like all, uh, all the other sports, um, basketball, all that, but, but I, I, I 
gravitate towards MMA because it, it's more grassroots. There's no you don't get a scholarship in M, for MMA. You don't get um, you don't get drafted for MMA. You bust your ass in a gym. You bust your ass in a school. You travel the country. You go to all these smaller shows. You get. 50 bucks, 150 bucks a fight, 250 bucks a fight, tough man contest, and you hone your craft to build your way up to that. There's no, there's no draft for this shit. There's no MMA combine. You know what the, the equivalent of an MMA combine is? It's called the ultimate fighter. That's how I see it, 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 you know, the ultimate proving ground. And that's one thing that helps me and drives me to support the sport. It's just the fact of seeing just a, a great campaign from, from the Dana White the, and the UFC, uh, Bellator and these guys, the fighters interacting with the fans. You know, you, you listen to shows like, like, you know, like NPR and MMA Gospel and the fighters come on and they're humble and grateful and they always remember that the fans got them there. And, and I like seeing that. It's, it's really awesome to see. Um, not to say that the NFL – NBA, MLB doesn't do it, but it's just a lot harder to interact with your favorite fighters and your favorite athletes on a, on a more personal level. Um, De Silva mentioned in the chat that minimum pay for a fighter is 500 bucks. Um, I appreciate that tidbit of info. You know, I've heard guys that, you know, they're just trying to get a foothold in the sport, and they, they get paid shit. The, the minimum is obviously 500 bucks, but you know what? Minimum wage is 725 in some states. And guys that crawl that crawl across the border get paid three bucks an hour. So that's definitely something that can be saved for another show. But you know what? Let's get right into this uh, UFC 124, and I'm going to go through the televised bouts first. First off, a fight that I was looking forward to was Tiago Alves versus John Howard. Um, Tiago Alves, of course, he had those weight-cutting issues. He actually started working with Mike Dolce. He came in. He was on point. He was crisp. He was shredded down. Um, of course, he had that brain issue, which required brain surgery. Tiago came in, great shape, put in a phenomenal three rounds of work. Um, John Howard, great performance, definitely a gamer. Don't write this guy off either. Um, Tiago's definitely trying to get back into that welterweight title contention. He's hungry. And I was, I was actually very entertained by this fight. Tiago definitely did his thing in the first round. They um, definitely leg kicks were, were Thiago Alves' friend for that fight. Um, Howard definitely was limping a bit in the second round. Um, he was, you know, Thiago working it, leg kicks, you know, working the body, using that, that tie fighting background. Um, definitely really great fight. Alves looked really fresh. But even in round three, he looked like he could, he could probably go five rounds. Um, Alves ended up winning by unanimous decision. Uh, lightweight, uh, excuse me, lightweight bout with Matt Danzig and Joe Stevenson. I was so torn for this fight. That's why I didn't really do fight picks for this because there were a lot of fighters that I enjoyed watching. I just didn't have the heart to pick against them. Um, Matt Danzig and Joe Stevenson, two guys I, I really like to watch fight. Uh, Joe Stevenson, I actually met him once in a GNC out here in, in, in New York, and he was a real cool dude. He was actually with Drago at the time um, who trains with Matt Serra. Joe Stevenson, awesome dude. Mac Danzig, another hard-working dude. Mac Danzig came in there and just fucking MDK fucking Joe Stevenson with a KO in the first round. It was disgusting. Stevenson came in, and then he just got caught. Boom! And that was it. It was, it was, it was ridiculous. It was a, a, a really great performance from Mac Danzig. Um, I was really shocked that Stevenson got his jaw rock like that and put to sleep. But, hey, you can always get caught. 
but great, very entertaining fight. I was worried that Joe Stevenson would be cut. As of right now, he's still with the UFC, but definitely let's keep an eye out on that for sure. The lightweight bout with Jim Miller and Charles Oliveira. Charles Oliveira coming in 14-0, and but Jim Miller's just on a tear. He's coming in and just fucking people up, and he too took a first-round victory via submission. Um, really great leg lock from from Jim Miller. I was I was totally impressed. It was it was really smooth. Jim Miller comes in there and he gets these submissions in that are just disgusting. So I'm I'm stoked for that for sure. I am definitely stoked for that. Um, Jim Miller is definitely a guy that's slowly moving up those rankings. Before you know it, he's going to creep in, get himself a lightweight title shot. I wouldn't even doubt that. We'll see that at some point in 2011. Um, welterweight bout between Sean Pearson and Matthew Riddle. Uh, was thrown in there. That fight actually ended up being um, Sean Pearson via unanimous decision. Um, I like Matthew Riddle. He's from the Ultimate Fighter. I was surprised that Pearson took the decision, but um, Pearson definitely came out more aggressive in the first round. Uh, the heavyweight bout was uh, Sean McCorkle coming in 10-0 and against Stefan Skyscraper Struve, 24-4. Uh, a lot of shit talking on Twitter, a lot of a lot, lot, of, lot of bad blood. Uh, McCorkle came to the weigh-ins wearing a wig for some reason. I have no idea what the deal of the wig is. If somebody can please enlighten me, by all means, drop, drop me some knowledge on that because I was wondering what the deal with the wig was. Nonetheless, Stefan Struve came in. He was not fucking around. Ended up taking the fight round one, TKO. Uh, McCorkle just I, I, probably his nose may have gotten broken. Uh, great performance by Struve. There was, I mean, McCorkle definitely was game, but Struve wasn't fucking around. You know, Struve, of course, in his post-fight interview said that the trash talking is motivating. And when it got, you know, but when you get there, it's different. Of course, he he's right. You know, you can talk all the shit in the world, but when that cage door closes, shit talking ends, fist, fist to cuffs begin, period. Uh, Mark Bocek and Dustin Hazlett, I was really, I, I like Dustin Hazlett. He, he's a great fighter. I like his, his submissions. Um, a great jiu-jitsu practitioner. Mark Bocek wasn't fucking around, though. He came in, caught him with a triangle choke, which was insane, especially because, you know, Bocek came in and, and he just cranked it. I was like, oh, my God, that's, that's, that's terrible. I really felt bad for the dude, but Bocek looked really impressive in that fight. Um, definitely uh, something that he, he called out George Sotaropoulos, which, you know, that's a guy that, he'll fuck you up, man. I, I like George Sotaropoulos, especially when the UFC is going into Australia. Definitely a guy you want to see there. Um, I like what De Silva said in the chat um, that McCorkle got 187. Uh, that's 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 an, an apropos term for that for sure. All right, let's talk championship fight. GSP, Josh Koscheck. Um, I'll tell you what. Fight, if, if you haven't read the results, went the full five rounds. GSP definitely showing his work with uh, Freddie Roach. Did a lot of jab work. Uh, Koscheck's eye just, just got murdered the majority of that fight. GSP just really crisp. I, I really don't know. A lot of people were saying that, you know, Koscheck didn't look good. And but let me tell you something. Anybody who doesn't compete professionally that can sit there and say that Koscheck looked like shit let me tell you, the guy went five rounds with the best pound-for-pound pound welterweight fighter in the world. The guy's eye was swollen shut. Um, it, I've heard that his orbital socket was broken. 
you have a broken orbital socket and you don't quit, you know, it, th- there was no quitting him. I don't give a fuck if he's a prick, if he's an asshole, if he punches babies. Y- You've got to respect the heart of the guy to go in there and take his beating like a man. Y- you know, like, I, like I've always said, Josh Koscheck is probably an awesome person. His shit talking, yeah, sometimes it grates on my nerves for a number of reasons. You know, he has that real jockish, dickish mentality. But I will tell you, when I saw the um, the one the the UFC 124 um, hype show, so to speak, on Spike earlier that week, and they gave a little bit of insight into Josh Koscheck, I, I I I respected his background, where he came from, how hard it was for him, especially being of you know of mixed heritage. It, it, it was just something that you can relate to that person, and you can relate to that person's humble beginnings. And it was great just seeing some insight uh, on onto why he is the way he is, the competitive nature, um, the need to be better, the 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 necessity to be the best in in every sport he played. And you know what? I respected that as a as a man, as a guy with a family, as a guy who's on the grind every day, pounding the pavement. I can respect that. Hard work pays off. And you know what? You fought the GSP twice. Don't get me wrong, you lost, but the second time you hung in there and you took that ass whooping like a champ. So you know what, uh, Koss, I salute you. GSP is still the fucking man. I will tell you that. There's no disputing that. And, you know, you can throw him in there with Jake Shields and close out the division. The only thing I want to see now is GSP and Anderson Silva. If GSP beats Jake Shields, which I can almost 70% Feel that he's going to do, and Anderson Silva gets past Vitor Belfort, which, you know what, is a little sketchy. I tell you, GSP Anderson Silva, you do that shit in a Cowboy Stadium, it'll be it'll be a fight. Fuck, man, I will save up money to see that fight because that's what happens. You clean out your divisions, you move up to 185, and boom, you make it happen. I think if GSP closes out 170. He should move up to 185 and, and just start doing his thing in that division as well. I think GSP at 185 is it, it's the way to go. I mean, who else is there after you beat Shields? What are you going to do, fight Fitch again? I mean, not to say that I wouldn't want to see it. A lot of people don't want to see that fight, but I'd pay to see that. What are you going to do, fight Tiago again? Maybe you do that. Uh, you know, unless Nick Diaz comes to the UFC, which not for nothing, the Nick Diaz-GSP fight would be an awesome fight for sure. I, I think that, G, that GSP moving up to 185 is the move for sure. So definitely something to look forward to um, in 2011, especially if it goes down like that. Um, you know, I, I, De Silva made a, a good point. Silva, if Silva gets past Belfort and faces GSP, it would be cool. I, I'd actually see that in Brazil. That would be disgusting too. Um, Toronto, I have a feeling, is definitely going to get GSP and um, – Jake Shields. I think that's going to definitely happen in Toronto. It's too easy of a main event and too easy, and, and, and the money that's there is too good to pass up for Dana White. So it, it can definitely go that way for sure. Um, I, I was impressed. I was impressed with the whole card. Um, GSP, great job. Um, Mac Danzig took the BSN KO of the night. Great uh, ta- uh, submissions. Submission of the nights were uh, Jim Miller and Mark Bocek. 
Of course, WEC 53 was plugged, and January 22nd is going to be UFC Fight Night 23, Fight for the Troops. So that's it, folks. After that, UFC 125 is next. And with that, let's talk some MMA news. First off, I'm going to jump around a little bit just because my notes were a little off. I want to talk about UFC 127, which is going to be February 27th at the Acer Arena in Sydney. That's going to air on pay-per-view February 26th. That's weird. It's going to air in the U.S. on February 26th. That, that's weird. I think I may have wrote, written that wrong. Um, nonetheless, uh, the 127 event is sold out. And some great fights there. you got John Fitch and BJ Penn in your main event. Uh, Michael Bisping versus Jorge Rivera. you got Dennis Seaver fighting George Sotteropoulos. Chris Camozzi and Kyle Noak. And Carlos Condit versus Chris Lytle. I'll tell you right now, Condit and Lytle, fight of the night. Fitch and BJ Penn can be really exciting or really fucking boring depending on the viewer. A lot of people don't like John Fitch's grinder style. And BJ Penn's not a guy that's going to let himself get grinded. So I can tell you right now, Definitely a, a good card. Yeah, there's no title fights, but you don't always need them to get to get a crowd in. I think that these fights are going to be solid. Bisping and Jorge Rivera, there's been some shit talking going on. Uh, Jorge Rivera, uh, he's stepping up, man. I think that the fight with Bisping may be a fight that, while not everybody's excited to see, is going to be a fight that's going to blow. Somebody's getting fucked up, period. That's how I see it. There's not going to be no fancy submissions. It's going to be somebody's getting put to sleep. I'll tell you that right now. So UFC 127, mark it on your calendars for February 27th at the Acer Arena in Sydney. And some other UFC news, of course, um, UFC 126. That one's going to be February 5th in Vegas with Anderson Silva fighting Vitor Belfort. Uh, Forrest Griffin and Rich Franklin, which I'm actually excited to see that, and Ryan Bader versus the always exciting Johnny Bones Jones. You've got Antonio Banuelos versus Miguel Angel Torres, which I want to see that. Miguel Torres, best mullet in the game. Definitely nice to see him in a UFC cage. Uh, Demetrius Johnson is going to fight the newly signed Kid Yamamoto. Um, that's been the rumor thus far. Dana White confirmed the deal on Twitter that Kid Yamamoto has been signed. Uh, for those of you that don't know about Kid Yamamoto, YouTube that motherfucker because he is no joke. 2005 K1 Hero Middleweight Grand Prix Champion and also one of the top-ranked featherweights in the world. So definitely keep an eye out for that. And, and something that I wanted to talk to you about, guys, and, you know, I wanted to talk to you guys was about K1, which I was actually got the privilege to watch for the first time in its entirety this weekend. Uh, K1, of course, is kickboxing. And um, they usually give that on HDNet. Uh, I'm a huge MMA fan. I tell you what, this K1 Grand Prix event made me a fan of kickboxing. Um, of course, one of the guys that was fighting on there, which is the guy that got my attention to, that got me interested in seeing the K1 event was Alistair Overeem, formerly known as the Demolition Man, now known as the Ream. Um, if you haven't seen Alistair Overeem fight, you should. This guy is a... Is, a monster is the apropos term for him. Um, I actually got to see an HDNet special with uh, uh, Michael Schiavello, the voice. Uh, it was the voice versus uh, Alistair Overeem. A lot of great insight and a lot of a lot of great things were were said about Alistair in his career, um, his work in Pride, uh, his his work in K1. He is now um, he ended up winning the tournament and is now the first MMA fighter to hold a K1 uh, title and 
a mixed martial arts title for Strike Force. Let me go through some of the fights. Um, one, uh, Alistair Overeem and Tyrone Spong was the first fight because the way it works is you have all the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and the finals on the same card. So the guy ends up fighting three times. Just, just amazing fucking endurance from these dudes. Um, Peter Ertz versus Mighty Mo, great first quarterfinal fight. Uh, Peter Ertz took it from Mighty Mo in round one. Semi Schmilt versus Kiltaro was a unanimous decision. Gokan Saki versus Daniel Gita was a split decision. And Alistair Overeem ended up taking it from Tyrone Spong in the, in the first round via unanimous to move into the semifinals. At which point you had Peter Ertz versus Semi Schilt, and he ended up, um, Peter Ertz ended up beating Semi Schilt via majority decision. That was a fucking kick ass fight from start to finish. Alistair Overeem beat Gokan Saki via TKO in round one. He threw a kick that I swore shattered that guy's ribs in, in, in the second, in the semifinals from Overeem. Just insanity. The, fina- the finals ended up being Alistair Overeem versus Peter Ertz. Uh, Overeem took it via KO in round one. Just, just disgusting, just disgusting Muay Thai being shown. If you haven't seen it, if you haven't seen K1, definitely I recommend you check out the post from Josh from MMA Valor that he posted on MyTakeRadio.com to get some insight. If not, definitely get YouTube feed, torrent that bitch, look for it on HDNet, check out K1. If, if you've never seen Alistair Overeem fight especially, he is serious. He is the truth. And, you know, it's, it's a real disservice that he didn't get the opportunity to fight Fedor, especially with all the shit with Fedor's uh, shady management. But nonetheless, Alistair Overeem is a problem. And you know what? It, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a far stretch to see Alistair Overeem in the UFC within the next two years for sure. I think Alistair Overeem has tons of potential. He's a young dude, and he's seriously fucking people up. So if you haven't seen him fight, I recommend you do. Uh, Peter Ertz as well, a fucking legend, as is uh, Semi Schilt. Check that out. Like I said, the K1 Grand Prix was fantastic for sure. Of course, like I was saying earlier, the potential super fight with GSP and Anderson Silva is more more possible to happen now that Dana White is starting to give his blessing on it. Uh, he feels that if St. Pierre com- cleans out the 170-pound division and Silva cleans out 185, uh, he definitely would like to see those guys fight. The shit, I think all of us would like to see those guys fight. It- it's going to be serious. It is really going to be serious. I'll tell you that right now. Of course, in some Bellator news, Bellator uh, Fighting Championships announced via press release that they have signed a three-year deal with MTV2. Um, Bellator, for those of you that don't know, I think to call them the Street Fighter Tournament of MMA. Uh, those guys, they hold uh, tournaments in various weight classes, and you fight your way through, you fight the champion, you get the belt. Um, definitely some, some really awesome fighters in there, Hector Lombard, Zoila Frosto, uh, Former guest and friend of My Take Radio, Razor Rob McCullough, signed up this year. He will be fighting in this season of Bellator, and I will be having him on in the near future to discuss that. I recommend you guys, if you haven't seen Bellator, once again, YouTube that shit. They got a really innovative and original way of doing it with their tournament-style format. And Bjorn Redney, he's trying, man. He's, he's another guy. He's the, he's the owner of Bellator. He's trying to get it out there. And 
with in partnering with MTV2, he said the following, we're thrilled to partner with MTV2, which has such a strong audience of hard-to-reach young guys. We have a time slot on a prominent, nationally distributed cable network aimed at young men. We now have the perfect platform to showcase our exciting, action-packed tournaments and fighters. Can't disagree there. Definitely wishing Bellator the best of luck. Uh, Bjorn Rebney trying to do the right thing, get his fighters exposure, and you know what? Can't fault the guy. Let's talk a little bit of Strike Force. Strike Force is actually allowing their fans to vote for their best of 2010 uh, fighters and events. You can vote on StrikeForce.com. The voting is open till December 24th. I just want to go through some of the categories and give a little bit of a of an opinion on this. Uh, the first category was Rising Star of the Year. The nominees are Daniel Cormier, Tarek Safadine, OSP, Misha Tate, and Tyrone Woodley. That that's a tough way to go. Daniel Cormier is a beast. Um, Great, fantastic wrestler. OSP, this guy over in St. Preux, he, he, he just fights. Three weeks later, he wants to fight again. A guy gets hurt, he's going to fight again. He, the guy is hungry. He's not fucking around. Um, De Silva mentioned in the chat Chris Lozano. Got to give a shout-out to him. He's going to be fighting for Bellator as well. You can listen to the Chris Lozano interview on MMAGospel.com or blogtalkradio.com, MMAGospel as well. Um, Tyrone Woodley, like I was saying, in regards to Strike Force, all great fighters, all great nominees. I would definitely nominate OSP just because the, the guy takes fights like nothing. Like, like it, It's like him punching in for work. Oh, I got a fight in two weeks? I just fought last week? Fuck it, I'll do it. I'll fight this guy. I don't give a shit. That, you know, stuff like that makes, makes people want to see these guys fight. It's like, ah, fuck him. What, he outweighs me by, by five pounds, ten pounds? Fuck it, I'll, he'll cut weight. And I'll beat his ass. I definitely like to like the, the hunger that OSP is showing for Strike Force. Definitely a breath of fresh air. For the nominees of submission of the year, you got Roger Gracie defeating Kevin Randleman, which was a really nice submission. Uh, Marlus Kunin versus Sarah Kaufman also, and Fabricio Verdum versus Fedor. Of course, I got to vote Verdum uh, tapping out Fedor. Nobody saw that coming. Everybody, you know, thinks that Fedor at the time was the Jesus of MMA. And um, Fedor comes in, does his thing, and Verdum triangle choked the fuck out of him and uh, definitely knocked the last emperor down a peg. Let's talk about knockout of the year. I'm sure that many of you that are MMA fans are going to get a couple of laughs for this. Paul Daly uh, versus Scott Smith was knockout of the year nominee. Sarah Kaufman versus Roxanne Montefiore was was a fucking devastating uh, knockout with women's MMA. Uh, Robbie Lawler and, and Melvin Manoff. Ugh. And Robbie Lawler and Matt Lindlin. Definitely, it's tough. The daily knockout was just sick. Uh, Scott Smith looked like he just like he just got shot in the chest and he fell over dead. Um, Robbie Lawler pretty much doing a fatality on Matt Lindlin. I, 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 let me tell you, I'd vote for either one of them. Um, I'm probably going to end up voting Paul Daly versus Scott Smith. Uh, just because Robbie Lawler, his KOs are always vicious, but Paul Daly, it was just boop, boop, Scott Smith got put to sleep. So um, definitely something I, I recommend you guys voting on StrikeForce.com. The upset of the year, uh, Raphael Fajal versus King Mo, uh, Chad Griggs defeating Bobby Lashley and Verdum and Fedor. Uh, definitely Verdum and Fedor as upset of the year is my pick. Chad Griggs and Bobby Lashley also just because a lot of people were talking shit that Bobby Lashley got exposed, blah, 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 he quit, this, that, and the third. Look, 
I'm not going to say the man quit until I see him fight once more. If he does any of that verbal tap-out shit again and doesn't take it, take his beating like a man, yeah, then maybe. But right now, definitely upset of the year, Verdum and Fedor. In fight of the year honors, Nick Diaz versus KJ Nunes, two, Billy Evangelista versus Joaquin Spirit Wolf, and Antonio Silva versus Mike Kyle. Um, I would go definitely vote for Evangelista and Spirit Wolf. That was just a bloodbath. Uh, Silva and Mike Kyle was exciting. I wouldn't nominate it as fight of the year just because Mike Kyle, he almost KO'd Bigfoot Silva, but Evangelista and Joaquin Spirit Wolf, fight of the year for me. Female Fighter of the Year nominees, Marluz Kunin, Cyborg, Sarah Kaufman, Misha Tate. I got to vote Cyborg. Cyborg is just exciting to watch. Definitely check that shit out for sure. Uh, male Fighter of the Year was Faye Zhao, Nick Diaz, Gilbert Melendez, Alistair Overeem, Jacare, and Verdum. Really hard to pick. Gilbert Melendez is a great fighter. Nick Diaz is always exciting to watch. Um, definitely Stockton representing, doing their thing. Um, Alistair Overeem, Demolition Man, just 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 a beast. His his fucking beatdown of of Brett Rogers, who who I like, was was disgusting. And then in watching him in K1 and just watching some of the highlights and learning more about the Reem's career, I don't know. I may vote Nick Diaz just because Nick Diaz des- deserves it. That you know that guy comes in, he talks his shit, he backs it up. Can't dispute that. So if you want to vote for any of those categories, definitely head over to StrikeForce.com as well. UFC 125, January 1st, of course. Um, get up from your hangovers, get yourself a beer, and, and get ready to have a seat because this is going to be a card that has many implications for 2011. Uh, Frankie Edgar versus Gray Maynard for the lightweight title. Gray Maynard, of course, will be a guest on MMA Gospel next week. Uh, Chris Levin versus Brian Stan, Thiago Silva versus Brandon Vera, Nate Diaz and Dong Young Kim, and a fight that I'm super amped to see, the Fireball Kid, Takanori Gomi versus Clay Guida. Uh, Takanori Gomi, a huge fan of his. Clay Guida is relentless. That guy, that, that guy could probably fight 10 rounds if, if you let him. Um, Gomi and, and Guida is definitely going to be the, 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 the fight that definitely seals the deal. Um, on the prelims, you got Marcus Davis and Jeremy Stevens, which I want to see. Josh Grisby versus Dustin Poirier, I want to see that as well. Uh, New York badass Phil Baroni, definitely got to represent. Uh, huge Baroni fan. He's fighting Brad Tavares, who is also awesome. Uh, Baroni's doing a campaign on Twitter. We're trying to get Dana White to make that a televised fight. Um, if you're a fan of Baroni's or Tavares, definitely tweet at Dana White on Twitter. Let him know you want to check him out for sure. And um, let them know you want to see Baroni and Tavares televised. Mike Brown versus Diego Nunez is also on that card, as is Daniel Roberts versus Greg Soto, and Antonio McKee versus Jacob Christmas Volkman. So definitely a great fight, a great night of fights on tap for January 1st, starting 2011 with a bang. So definitely that's going to be on pay-per-view. Um, like I said, you want to see Baroni and Tavares on the televised card, send Dana White a tweet at Dana White on Twitter, let him know, hey, you want to see at Phil Baroni and at Brad, I think it's Brad Tavares on Twitter, fight. Make your voices heard, man. Dana likes to listen to the fans, and he tries to give us as much fan service as he, as he can. So make it happen, folks, if you want to see that fight. For those of us on the East Coast that are feeling a little left out from some UFC events, take solace in the fact that UFC 129 is going to be in New Jersey. And the main event for that fight is going to be Shogun 
fighting Rashad Evans, fucking sickening uh, local Jersey fighter, and just the kick-ass dude, Kurt Batman Pellegrino, is going to be fighting Gleason Tebow, and um, you're going to be seeing that in Jersey. I believe it's going to be happening March 19th uh, at the Prudential Center in Newark, and you can see that also on pay-per-view. Also, they're saying that they're going to be moving the Tito Ortiz, um, Antonio, or Rogerio Noguera fight to the UFC 129 card. I think that if they do a UFC expo, I'm going to have to make my way to Dirty Jersey to check that out, see if I could get uh, Tito's autograph um, before Antonio Noguera kills him dead, which is sad. Um, unless we see a different Tito Ortiz, this may be the swan song for the Huntington Beach bad boy. In addition to that, uh, like I said, Kurt Pellegrino versus Gleason Tebow and Shogun and Rashad is a fight I definitely want to see. That has knockout implications for sure. And um, that's it. That's going to close out the MMA segment. I'm going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to talk about Monday Night Raw. We're going to talk a little bit about wrestling because wrestling news were kind of light this week. Then we'll talk some video games. With that, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and I'll be back right after this. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in, like, really high voices like... (laughs) Well, you won't listen to that on our show. Because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that, that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter, Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on all games. Let's talk some wrestling. First off, let's talk a little bit about Monday Night Raw. Um, just want to roll call real quick. Of course, The Miz is still your champion for for the WWE Championship. Kane has your World Championship. Brian has your US. Ziggler has your IC. Natalia has your Divas. And Morella and Kozlov have your tag team belts. Um, Raw this week was coming from the New Orleans Arena from New Orleans, Louisiana. You had Cole, Lawler, and CM Punk. And the Slammies were the big thing this year um, for this three-hour Raw this week. I'm not going to go too crazy into it. Of course, Shocker of the Year was the Nexus and their initial attack on Raw. Barrett comes out, blah, blah, blah. I'm Wade Barrett, blah, blah, blah. Big Show takes his Slammy, which was a totally stupid setup for the match. Um, Big Show, of course, wins via countout. Wade Barrett pretty much just tossed the match in the garbage. And personally, I saw... Zero incentive to watch the match at all. I, I mean, I like the big show in certain matches, but him and Barrett would have been a fucking snooze fest. I'd rather watch Snails fuck than see that match with Barrett in the fucking big show. So definitely not. Um, going down the list, uh, the Despicable Me Award, of course, for Despicable Acts committed in the name of wrestling. Your nominees were McIntyre making uh, Teddy Long lay down uh, Kane burying The Undertaker alive, McMahon attacking Brett, and CM Punk singing Happy Birthday to Rey Mysterio's daughter, which was a hilarious fucking segment because CM Punk looked like a total fucking creep when he did it. Um, and, you know, Rey Mysterio's daughter, 
really great acting, man. Definitely, I was I was really impressed. Um, CM Punk won. He cut a really great promo. He also set up his feud, talking about somebody who in the back was wronged him, and he will get his revenge. Uh, CM Punk, of course, didn't elaborate. But you know what? Setups like that are good for wrestling. No foreshadowing, no nothing. CM Punk can get out of that announce table next week and attack John Cena or attack Daniel Bryan, and he can he can use that, and that'll be a great setup for a feud. Sometimes little things like that speak volumes. They do. I talk about the little things all the time in regards to professional wrestling, like John Cena being fired yet still coming to events in ring gear with knee pads on and shorts. It's like, hi, we're wrestling in Alaska. It's three degrees. Oh, but John Cena has shorts on and knee pads. Oh, I guess he's not fired. You know, little things like that get under my skin because if you're going to go that route, John Cena should come in just like in Tim's and jeans and a throwback jersey, no WWE regalia, no stupid T-shirt, just in like a polo shirt just chilling or in a hoodie just hanging out with the crowd. Little things like that, little touches like that, are, are really great. They show that um, the writers are, are, are taking notice, and they're really working. I mean, the security thing, he was like, oh, yeah, the security's going to let me whoop Nexus's ass after Nexus's initial attack on Raw. That was a good way to close that out because I did bitch about that. But, again, if you're an employee and you're fired and you're going to every event, you should walk in. He should have a bucket of popcorn and a soda. He should be sitting in the front row and he should definitely be talking to the announcers and doing shit like that. I felt that the payoff with him being hired so, you know, so fast just doesn't want to be, um, you know, it doesn't want to be, how can I say it? Put it like this. When you do the shit with Wade Barrett and Cena and the whole firing angle, the, the payoff of bringing him back so quick, just it just didn't gel right. It didn't work for me. Um, honestly, it, it could have been done better, and I wasn't impressed. I was not impressed at all with that. And, again, you know, he ended up getting hired, which I'll discuss later on in the recap. And um, I don't know, man. I mean, the angle had tons of potential. It could have gone really well. And then there was just certain things I just didn't like. I didn't like, like I said, him in, in ring gear every week. The attacks on Nexus, that's great. You know, they got him fired. They wronged him. But those attacks should have continued all the way to, say, the Royal Rumble. Don't, don't quit on the angle so quickly. Don't quit. D- definitely extend it. Keep those sneak attacks coming. You know, the, the, the foreshadowing with the Nexus turning their back on Barrett and letting him get attacked, you could have dragged that out. You could have said, that Barrett could have said, the GM instructed me not to hire back John Cena until his, his new contract has been renegotiated since he's going to be a new hire. There's so many outs to extend that a little bit. It, it, just, it just bugged me out, man. It, it, it's one of those things you can extend and really take into the new year. You could have brought Cena in with a brand-new contract and would have guaranteed him a title shot if he wins the Royal Rumble. Boom. You throw the Nexus in the Rumble, you throw Barrett in the Rumble, Cena just running roughshod. You make Barrett and Cena number one and number two, respectively. You go through that, you leave the last 10 or 15 dudes in there, Cena, most of the other guys you want to move up to the upper mid-card, and the Nexus. 
you end up having it where Otunga throws Barrett out of the ring and then eliminates himself when it's like him, Cena, and some other guys. You do shit like that, it, it, it adds volumes to the story, it stretches it out, and it's great. It's really great to see. I see that we got our first call, and it's going to be Billy from Beantown Gamer. He's going to be joining us. I'm sure he's going to take the opportunity to announce um, his new project, as well as some of the stuff we spoke about earlier this earlier this evening. So I'm going to bring him on, and I'm sure he's going to have his thoughts to share as well. Billy, you're on the air. What's up, dude? What's up, Rich? How you doing? I ain't got nothing to announce, man. I just heard you talking about John Cena, and I had to weigh in. Well, you know what? I mean, Especially as a Boston as a Boston native that you are, and John Cena, of course, being being from West Newberry, I know he's your boy. So, what do you got, my friend? Let's hear it. Well, the way I look at it is is that you're right. They could have done so much with this angle, and I I feel that they really dropped the ball on this. I feel that they got. Scared, I, I don't man. even they know who's right. Out. I don't even know who's right in Raw shit right now because the best thing that's happening for Raw right now is the Miz. And that's really it. I'm sorry. Raw right now is killing me. I've watched more SmackDown in the last four to five weeks than anything. Why would Wade Barrett even have the power to fire John Cena? That was probably the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Do you remember back when they were on um, Sci-Fi, when they had the opening episode of SmackDown on Sci-Fi, and uh, Barrett apparently knew, like, the CEO of Sci-Fi? Yeah, it's like... Dude, a cup of tea and a bland... Tomato soup would be more interesting than this angle, if you want the truth. No, and you know what? I, I, can't, I can't disagree with you, and, and on the contrary, I think that the potential for greatness was there. Think about this. Think about John Cena stopping into the hotels of the Nexus members, and you, and you can videotape this. Hey, you know, all of the guys are having lunch in the common room. Uh, John Cena gets invited because he's still one of the boys starts beating the Nexus ass in catering like three hours earlier. Next thing you know, John Cena pops up, like I said, in the popcorn soda, hops the fence, boom, that's an ass whooping. And you just keep doing that. And you know what? Since he's a, a, not an employee, he, he's, he's not allowed to, you know, be prosecuted because nobody's going to snitch him out. There's so much shit you can do, and they were just like, all right, we're getting scared. Because I think that the problem is they just don't want to turn them, and they're running out of shit to do with them, which is unfortunate. True. But here's the other thing, too. Um, the merchandise sales went down when they fired them. I guarantee you their merchandise sales dropped through the floor. Okay, here's yep. what I would have liked to have seen. Now, being from Boston, you know, we love when Cena wins the title, whether we hate him or not. Now, for those of you of out there who don't know about us Boston people like Rich does, Okay, there's two things, like I told you last time I was on My Take Radio, that we do differently. We cheer for everything that comes from our city, and then we hate it for five minutes. Okay, and yep. we call <laughs> Franco's Jimmy's. Okay, I would have loved to have seen this angle go further with Cena. I would have loved to have found out that Wade Barrett was the anonymous general manager and was pulling all the strings. I think that would have been hilarious. But yep. I, I, I'd like to go back to a point you made earlier when you started talking about this whole thing. Having him go into the Rumble respectively with Barrett as one and two, and then having Otunga um, fire or, or, you know, throw himself out, it, it would have been great. I mean, there's a million different ways you can go with that. And, yep. um, I mean, I'd, I'd like to go back to uh, January 2008, actually, and you're in your stomping grounds, Madison Square Garden. I was there when uh, Cena was number 30 in the Rumble. Oh, yeah, that, and, was, that was great. I, I remember great moment. I'm going to tell you this right now. New York was so good to me, so thank you guys for a great night. 
you know, still to this day, it's probably one of the best memories I have in wrestling. But I remember number 30, everybody started singing the Big Show's music. And then all of a sudden, they heard uh, the opening of Cena's music. Everybody was like, oh. And for those of you who have the DVD or saw the pay-per-view, you'll remember the kid sitting in, like, the sixth row, banging his head against a friggin' steel thing the entire night. Yep. He starts actually banging his head because he was so mad that it was Cena. <laughs> But to, to go back to now, I would I would have liked to have seen a lot of other things. I know I've been sitting in chat with all the guys that uh, Mr. De Silva himself was talking about how the Juan Cena angle is over, and he's glad about it. I agree. I don't think the Juan Cena angle should have ever even started. I mean, it was funny, yeah, to have it a house show. I mean, but what did they really change about him? I mean, you could have changed his attire. You could have done what Edge and Christian did with the Conquistadors. You could have done something have like that if you were going to do the Juan Cena thing. They should have just changed his moveset and, and definitely his attire to go with, like, with the Conquistadors gimmick, which is a nice, great throwback. Definitely got to applaud you for that. Go full tilt with it. If you want to do the Juan Cena, it's like when they did Hogan and Mr. America. It's recycling the same shit. Well, you have to understand, Hogan, to these, to these, to these young bloods, is, you know, or I'm sorry, Cena is the Hogan to these young bloods. You know, you and I growing yep. up being almost in our 30s, you know, and most of the guys on my team, you know, over at Beantown Gamer, we were having a discussion about this earlier, you know, Hulk Hogan was the quintessential icon wrestling when we were young, you know. I think Hulk yep. the Warrior said it best in 98 when he said, um, you were the quintessential icon of everything that was good, great, and heroic. And, I mean, nothing Ultimate Warrior ever made sense. I mean, this is the guy I'm talking about who said a promo about laying down on the lawn and getting run over with lawnmowers. But yep. that might be the smartest thing <laughs> yep. that the Warrior ever said. You know, Hogan was the personification of everything that was good, great, heroic. And that's what they're trying to make Cena out to be, and I understand why. Because he's a marketable gimmick, and he's a guy who has given everything to this business. And you know what? I respect the guy. I'll say that all day long. He's not the greatest wrestler, but what he does, you know, for Make-A-Wish, what he does yep, for I was gonna say that. and what he does for Massachusetts, for the independents, what he does with chaotic wrestling, and uh, helping his father, Johnny Fabulous, a.k.a. John Cena Sr., is amazing. What what John has done for the community at large, you can never take away from him. At Beantown Gamer, we're all about charity. We're all about doing anything we can to help out, you know, Massachusetts and doing what we can in our local communities, giving back, of course. you know, helping out as much as we can. Because, you know what, this is where we're from. We love where we're from as much as I'm sure you love where you're from, you know, being from New York. We love it. We're proud to be here. We're proud of being from here. We have it tattooed to us. You name it, we got it. Fact of the matter oh, yeah, is, of course. you can't take that away from the guy, but you, you couldn't you couldn't buy him a suplex. You oh no, but you know you know what the thing is with Cena, and I, and 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 not to not to cut you off, you got to look at it like this. One of the things that that revitalized Hogan was the heel turn because it was so sudden and so vicious. See, with, with Cena, and, and I can see the hesitation. I'm sure that has been brought up, you know, we should really turn this guy, we should really turn this guy. And Vince McMahon is like, no, 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 because that's what everybody says. The, the problem isn't Vince McMahon saying no. The problem is the right way to do it. And, and the way I see it is like this. You take a guy like Cena, and, you know, the Miz wins the belt. What you need to do is take, I don't know, a guy like Morrison, who everybody likes, the kids love. He wins. And then, you know, he's in a match with Cena, and then you just do something. You've got to do something violent to set a, a precedent. You know, you know, grab him and give him the FU through, through, a, through a glass window. You have to do something that, that sticks out to the fans that they'll never forget. I can tell you right now, when Hogan turned, it is a moment 
that, you know, at 30 years old, I can never forget. Because when I went to school the next day, everybody's like, holy shit, Hogan's a member of the NWO. Everybody fucking was going ape shit. And that's what you need. You need something, you know, poignant. You need something powerful. You need something where Cena beats the, 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 the biggest face's ass and cuts a promo where he says, I've bled for you guys. I, you know, I've, got, I've torn my peck for you guys. I fucking took shit from the Nexus for you guys, and yet you guys don't even have the courage to vote, to, to cheer for me at 100%. My fan base is made up of children. But, but what about you parents who buy the stuff for them? Don't you guys give a damn about me and my family? And my, you, you know, you cut a promo that's real and deep, and I guarantee you it'll still be a successful heel turn because then grown-ups will start buying his shit because they'll feel yeah. like he does, unappreciated. You know, you bust your ass for everybody, and people don't give a fuck about you. you you'll gravitate towards that because that's what the NWO was. While we were young, everybody liked the NWO because everybody was anti-establishment. They were anti-system. That's all you got to do. Absolutely. And, uh, that, you know, to this day, that's how a lot of us still are. I mean, I'm still all about it. I, think, I thought the NWO was cool. And um, actually, I'm going to make a little announcement. Um, BeantownGamer.com it, is um, opening. We're opening our new show, a wrestling show, come February. With myself and the adorable one, Gene Joseph from uh, Top Row Promotions. This is a local indie promotion around here. And... Um, on our first show, since we're talking NWO, um, this has been just confirmed this afternoon. Um, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash will be our guests. That is fantastic. I definitely want to check that out because I know those so, guys have a lot to say. You might have to be there. You might have to be there because, well, let, let, let's talk about this. NWO, July, 20, or July 31st, 1996, the, the game of wrestling was forever changed. Plain and simple. You know, wrestling was never the same. And I remember the next night in Tampa, Florida, when he walked out in all black and I still didn't believe it. I did not believe it. I, I was just in awe. And as a young kid, I was a smart mark. I understood wrestling from a different angle. Yep. You know, I understood why they did the whole bogus thing thing. I understood, you know, how much it really, you know, brought Sting to a new head. And that's, that's why Bischoff was so smart, because he turned the right people heel at the right times. Or he made people think that these guys were heels at the right times. Sting not wrestling for a year and a half pissed off every wrestling fan in the world. You know, yep, I mean, so they, they, turned, they turned the horseman heel and face all day long, you know, and, and they did it well. I miss WCW for that matter, you know. Now we're, we're stuck with, you know, a little bit of regurgitated garbage with WWE and um, a guy who thinks that selling out a 3,000-seat arena and doing drugs and then going to the ring, which I'm going to actually elaborate on after we get into Raw, after we talk about in Raw, is better than WWE. Truthfully, if you want the truth, I'd rather watch Top Row Promotions and the quality shows that they have, and I'd rather honestly watch Ring of Honor any day of the week. Because Ring of oh, Honor yeah, has Austin Aries and Roderick Strong, plain and simple. And, and oh, yeah, well, Fallen you know, Angel, Christopher Daniels. Oh, yeah, of course. R- Ring of Honor, is it, it, their storylines aren't chock full of, you know, intrigue and detail, but their stories are, are powerful enough that And a a great example, especially with Final Battle coming up this weekend, is is Kevin Steen and Generico. You know, that feud is so powerful because these guys were a tag team. I watched them. I'm like, who the fuck are these cornballs? But then I started watching it a little more and a little more, and I started appreciating the, the, the craft of wrestling that they were putting on. And when that heel turn came, it was so violent. It was so sudden that, you know, stripping, stripping out Generico of his mask, uh, for those that that don't watch Ring of Honor, El Generico is the generic luchador. 
and uh, he wears a mask, of course. You know, stripping of, of his mask is, is the equivalent of stripping a man of his identity. It's the equivalent of, of, of doing the lowest, the lowest form of insult. And by, you know, especially for a luchador to do that and, and stretching that out over, you know, one hour of television, because that's the thing, you know, Ring of Honor only gets an hour of TV on HDNet. To stretch that out over an hour, multiple weeks, and pay-per-view and still deliver something that people give a fuck about, that's something that you don't see every day. WWE gets three hours and, you know, they get three hours or two hours plus an extra two hours for SmackDown plus, you know, uh, superstars, NXT, and they can't make one coherent storyline, one, that has that much impact and that much depth to it. It's, it's, it's sad that, that that's the way shit goes, especially when they have so much money behind it. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing that WWE would be smart to do is to drop NXT altogether and give superstars a second hour. There you go. You know, that, that, that would be one thing, you know. Um, you know, now that you're talking about El Generico, another great, you know, ideal of that is is um when Kid Cash, or oh, not Kid Cash, I'm sorry, when um Chris Jericho stripped um, Juventud Guerrera of his mask in the That's 90s. Right. And then when uh, the Wolfpack did it to Rey Mysterio and then Kevin Nash put on his mask, that was fucking hilarious. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't say it was the greatest angle in history. I mean, it's like comparing the X-Men arcade game to fucking, I don't know, Galaga. Not that Galaga sucks or anything, but, you know, Galaga's not my favorite game. I'm just saying that's, like, not one of my favorite moments in wrestling history. You know, just like anything that has to do with Josh Kotchak sucks in my eyes. <laughs> but, you, know, you know, I mean, we're already past MMA. I, I, I also could say that anything that has to do with many other websites around us that I've worked for in the past sucks. But I'm not going to go attacking people this week because I'm too lazy to do that. No, it, it, you know, and, and you know that, that's cool with me, man. I, I got to tell you this though, and and I wanted to um, while I have you on, I'll I'll, I'll actually wrap up raw with you, and um, you know I wanted to go through some stuff. Uh, Kofi Kingston and, and Daniel Bryan, of course, fought DiBiase and Ziggler. Um, watching these four guys perform. Um, these are definitely guys that I can definitely see being the future of this business in the next five years. Um, Kofi Kingston, I thought that they dropped the ball with him. But Ziggler, DiBiase, and Bryan, those are guys that I, that I see definitely carrying WWE through 2011. Um, Ziggler is, is improving. Uh, the addition of Vicky Guerrero is great because his mic skills aren't strong. And, but it's sad, though, that Vicky Guerrero gets more heat than Ziggler just by uttering two simple words with excuse me, she gets more booze than the Nexus. Well, you know what's great about Vicky Guerrero, and I'll say this all day long, and, you know, I'm going to talk about my good friend, or one of my favorites of all time, and I know he's listening to me right now and having in the greatest seat in the place, but uh, she got it from Eddie. You know, Eddie taught her everything true. he knew. And you know what? Eddie Guerrero is highly regarded as the greatest luchador of all time. I, I will 100% agree that with that. He's worked with some of the greatest of all time. He was screwed when he was given the title. He should have won it from Angle in the Garden at WrestleMania 20, if you ask my opinion. He should have got out. The finish of the match was perfect. They should have done it like that at Mania. He shouldn't have wanted it no way out in between the two biggest pay-per-views of the year. Bullshit. This is true. No way. No, no, no. You give a guy like Eddie Guerrero the title at WrestleMania because he deserves it. I wish he was still here today because, you know what, he'd probably be champion and Cena never would have walked the face of the planet when it came to a title. This is true. Not only that... Not only that, but you'd probably see a great feud with a guy like Guerrero and Del Rio. Oh, absolutely. And now Del Rio is put in the picture. And for those of you wrestling fans out there who don't know who Alberto Del Rio is, he was uh, Dos Cajas in uh, CNLL. 
when he That's came right. to WWE, he had a huge issue with taking his mask off. But he has done so well with the Alberto Del Rio angle, and um, I'm going to spoil SmackDown for everybody who's going to watch it later tonight. Alberto Del Rio has been named as one of the number one contenders for the World Heavyweight Championship, and it is now a fatal four-way at the pay-per-view, including him and Rey Mysterio. Yep. And, and, you know and what? I have that's a feeling you might bad. see him walk out with it. You might see Alberto Del Rio walk out with the belt. Yeah, I, I would. I, you know, and in, in, in being a and being a guy who who reads the, the the spoilers and stuff, I definitely can see Del Rio taking it. Just because the, the, with Kane, you've pretty much exhausted every opportunity, especially with the Undertaker injured. And you know what? Putting the belt on Del Rio, you can keep the belt on a heel for a little bit. You can make Edge and Mysterio chase, which is good. Either way, you get classic matches with either one of those two guys and Del Rio anyway. But I think. The only other smart money would be putting it on Edge and having Del Rio chase, which would be bad Or you could turn Mysterio heel, and you could have him chase Edge. You know what? Anything Edge and Mysterio is classic, period. (laughs) I'd love love to see the flying midget fucking as a heel. He's never been a heel in his career. I mean, when he was filthy animals, he was just a dirty Mexican. You know, he he wasn't a heel. He wasn't anything good. He was not a heel, no? No, not at all. I mean, maybe it's a little too soon to turn him heel, but... It could be something to work into the, into the cards, you know, that would be good for him. You know, there like you turning CM Punk heel, when I, I want to go back to Raw for a second, turning CM Punk heel when they did was perfect. Oh, yeah. It was you know, fantastic. Now with, with, well, the, uh, with the absence of the straight edge society, having him behind the booth is amazing. He's so funny. He's so talented. Oh, he's and you great. know what? You're finally seeing CM Punk for everything he was in the indies. But to get back to Rey Mysterio, a heel turn for Rey Mysterio might be a good move, you know? I'd like, like to see it. But, some um, of the shocking things we've seen especially with um, The Miz, that the, 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 the crying Miz girl is the perfect example. Oh, she was fantastic. And, I, and, and, to, and to jump down a little bit in the slammies, the fact that they brought her in for crowd reaction was, was so beautifully done. And once again, these are the times when, I, like I said, it's the little thing. The fact that that cameraman captured that girl at that moment and that became synonymous with The Miz winning the belt is, again, one of those little things that, for once, WWE got right. They went, they found the girl, they brought the girl in, they, you know, they made her a part of the segment. And, and once again, it helped with, the, with getting The Miz over. Like, you know, I do think you the Slammies, but was she actually at the Slammies? Because I missed it, I fell asleep. Yeah, the little, the little girl actually was brought out at the Slammies to claim her award. And, um, of course, The Miz's music hit, and The Miz came out, took the award from her, made fun of her, and, um, you know, of course, that set up a match with The Miz and Rey Mysterio, and um, nice. he probably it, it was, it was, it was well done. It was well you know done, what? dude. I, I think bringing her in was, was gold. I think The Miz with the championship is fucking gold. I mean, he is amazing. You know, I, I just, I, I love The Miz. I always have, you know, ever since he dropped the whole hoorah and mohawk thing, and he really got into that whole... John Morrison, him being the greatest tag team in the dirt sheet and everything like that, and they just went super badass. Um, you know, he's just gotten so much better and better and better, and then he changed his attire, and he came back as Mr. Canada, and he's just been fantastic. You know, and... Well, I, the Miz, I, I hate... Let me... I'll be completely honest. I hated when he won the belt because, you know, in my eyes, there were a lot of other people that deserved the opportunity, but as I watch him come along and, and, and improve every week... I, I like his cowardly champion gimmick because as a heel right now, the waters are a little shallow on the WWE side of things. 
you know, you can always put the belt back on Orton, or you can take the gamble and put it on Barrett, which I'm sure will happen at some point. So the waters are shallow. You know, the waters are shallow, and to take it on, to take that and and put it on a guy like like the Miz shows that they see that the guy has longevity. Especially he's young. He works well with the media, especially coming from the MTV background. He's a media darling. You know, you can put him on TMZ. You can send him here. You can send him there. The guy has a tireless work ethic, and it's good because he's so hungry and, and willing to prove himself that he's going to go that extra step, and he's going to tighten up his game. And you know what? You're not seeing that from a lot of these younger guys. And, and it's unfortunate because that's why some of them that should be in the main event aren't. Um, i, I got to add something real quick. Um, my co-host, uh, the adorable one, Gene Joseph, the manager of champions from uh, Top Row Promotions, is uh, sending me a text message right now, and all he's telling me is, fuck, 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 I hate the Mrs. Champion, fuck, fuck, fuck. So, shout out to <laughs> Joseph. Shout out to the guys from being healthy for listening. But, but check <laughs> it out. His, his text message that he just sent you is synonymous with what the general public feels. And you need that. You want your heel to be hated. You, you, you know, that's, that's, what, that's the beauty of when I finally came to the realization. I'm like, you know what? Me hating his guts is exactly what the WWE wants you to do. You want to see him be hated because when he loses, it'll be that much sweeter. And what I hope is that he loses to somebody who needs to become a main eventer. Losing to, a, you know, losing to Orton and putting the belt back on Orton and going back and forth with the belt, that's great. But a guy like the Miz, you need to keep him solid as a heel so that a good face can come out of nowhere and take the belt. That's how you got to do it. You have to make sure that the right dude comes in, you know, whether it be John Morrison, if you're finally going to pull the trigger on him, or, you know, or, or, or CM Punk if he was face, but that wouldn't work. But a guy like John Morrison, especially with the existing history that they have, that would be a great opportunity to push him into that upper level. Establish history, uh, great mic work from the Miz, um, you know, just him being a cowardly champion and dodging Morrison. Before you know it, boom, Morrison wins it at a big event, like you said, because big event is key, and you go with it from there. And not, not only do you elevate a guy like John Morrison, but you continue to emphasize the fact that The Miz has history with some of these up-and-comers, and you can throw new feuds in there. Right. You know what I actually heard? And this is breaking news. This was just told to me by my agent. Apparently, the instant classic Ryan Storm has been signed to WWE, and he's going to be feuding <laughs> with The Miz. And apparently he's hey. going to drop a belt to him at WrestleMania 27. And then the next night hey, they're going to be know. in Boston, and someone's going to cash in money in the bank and lose. Hey, you never know. Stranger things have happened. But you know what? I want to just wrap up the rest of Raw, and I'm, I'm actually going to pull out a couple of, of different things just because the um, – I wanted to ask, and, and you're the perfect person to see to, to ask about this, the, the hiring back of John Cena and then putting him in a match with David Otunga – while I admire the fact that you know that it's Wade Barrett getting even with Otunga, don't you think that it's a little, it was a little bit uneventful that Barrett hired him back on just a throwaway Raw? Like, shouldn't there have been something lame. more to it? You know, honestly, during that segment, I was way too busy doing other things. I, I, I actually think, if I remember correctly, I was... Um, hold on, let me check my Facebook since I have that up, too. I was playing... The, I was playing Battlefield Bad Company during that. Oh, well, there you go. Well, you know what? The, I, I can't even blame you for playing it because the setup for that match 
and, and the payoff for that match was, was ridiculous. Um, just because, yeah, you know, David Otunga was going to catch an ass-whooping, and that's going to continue to sow the seeds of deception with old Starscream himself. But um, the way I see totally it... Is, a me- that, it's totally a Megatron Starscream feud. Yeah, you know, it's, it's going to end up being Otunga probably turning on Barrett, continuing with the Nexus, and Barrett feuding with them for a little bit. Barrett continuing as the heel, possibly turning the Nexus face or making them tweeners. And and then Cena moves on to something else because it's like after after he fights Barrett and wins, what else can you do with that feud? Nothing. Right. Can't. You know, there's no payoff, and and, and you know you're gonna end it. You know, at a T a TLC. You're not ending it at the Rumble. You're not ending it at a pay per view that 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 matters. You're ending it at TLC. No. Um, speaking of things that don't matter, since you're wrapping up wrestling, I want to say one thing. Um, Shoot, Jeff Hardy, you have no right having a job <laughs> you know you know i didn't want to go into it and um, in a way it's funny you mention it let me tell you when i read that when i read that he wasn't fit to perform and then people were talking about exhaustion and, and blah 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 and about twitter and told all of his fans to fuck off yeah because he and felt that anybody who believed that yeah anybody who believed that he felt what was you know an asshole let me tell you something if you got a guy who gets arrested for drugs, who's notorious for being under the influence at varying stages of his career, as a fan, what are you going to instantly think when somebody tells you he wasn't fit to perform? He was fucked up. That's what you're going to think. You're not going to think anything else but the absolute worst because that's what he's been known for. And to sit there and bitch that the web says that, you know, you're a druggie. Well, you know what? If you're not a druggie, then keep doing what you're doing and keep performing every week and, and move on. The fact that you're too busy defending yourself on Twitter, it's the fucking Internet. Who cares? They say you're a druggie you know and you're not. You're not. You have a newborn daughter and a wife, and a soon-to-be wife. Take care of your shit. But enough about wrestling. Exactly. And enough about wrestling. That's, that's all there really was to talk about. If you're talking about gaming, I might have to stick around and... Uh, I think since I'm here, I might have to give away some DLC for uh, PlayStation Network. I'm just saying. Oh, nice. Well, um, well, before we wrap it up, uh, oh, hold on a minute. I think uh, we have a uh, another caller here. I think it's uh, one of your one of your associates is calling. Oh, oh yeah. No. So, but, You're actually going to answer the phone for one of my guys? Oh yeah, of course, man. Here, No. <laughs> <laughs> equal equal opportunity equal opportunity offenders and not only that it's only fitting that I have you and a member of your team on for the big plug and of course to give away the code so you know what let's bring them on you're on the air hey guys it's not fair that you talk about wrestling and you don't have Gene Joseph here what's wrong with you why don't hey, you introduce hey. yourself hey Who everybody it's the adorable one Gene Joseph right here from uh, Florida Massachusetts I, I, you know, you guys brought up a lot of great points, but on that Jeff Hardy subject, I think it was really offensive of him to go online and tell all his fans to go fuck off. You know, well, he should go fuck himself. It's okay. Jeff yeah, Hardy, fuck real you, Town Gamer. Also, I just on the wrestling front, I just wanted to uh, bring some news that I don't know if anybody caught about our truth being rushed to the hospital. Um, yep, he had he a walking in, pneumonia, and he ended up suffering some convulsions, and he almost lost oxygen to his brain. Wish him the best, and um, just I just want to let you know that this was like the best uh, wrestling talk that I've seen in a long time, and that was the worst raw that I've seen. I slept right through it, so 
I just I just needed to give my two cents real quickly before you wrap things up. It was a great conversation. You guys brought up a lot of great points, and I, I'm really happy to be a part of stuff like this. This is going to be real fun. I just wanted to say Thank thanks, you. and you guys do a great well, job. So. Thanks a lot, man. I, I appreciate you for, for calling in and stopping in. And, gentlemen, since you're both here, by um, by all means, take the opportunity and share share more details on your project before we wrap it up. And, you know, Billy, if you want to do that, that giveaway, have at it, dude. Well, we got to talk yours. gaming before I can give any of your listeners anything. Before I'll tell you guys right now, I got a couple codes here from uh, the good guys over at Team 17. Shout out to my buddy Alan Pierre, who's their PR guy. Thank you very much. Uh, we're going to do a little thing called Christmas Chaos. We're just kind of randomly giving away codes whenever the hell we feel like it. And tonight I'm in a great mood. We had a great meeting. I'm on My Take Radio again, cheap plug, live in New York City, New York. So fuck it. I'll give something away. But anyway, for those of you who don't know me by my alter ego, I am the instant classic Ryan Storm. And uh, my, my, my partner's supposed to say something here, but he's not. <laughs> Did he hang up? That's all right. I think he hung up. Anyway, well, my partner is the adorable one, Gene Joseph, from Top Row Promotions. And uh, we're going to be doing a show called Cobra Clutch Radio, which you will hear Rich on, I guarantee you, because, well, you know, I mean, I, I call in here and, you know, do my thing, and he's going to be calling into my show and doing his thing, because it would only be right. It's going to be two hours of nonstop wrestling bullshit, plain and simple. We're going to give you everything you need, Ring of Honor, TNA, ROH, all the indies. We're going to have some of the best guests. And plain and simple, we're going to be your second favorite podcast next to My Take Radio. Nice, Everybody nice, knows My Take Radio that. is your first favorite. So, but no, it's going to be it's going to be a wrestling show straight up. Also with Dean Town Gamer, you can check out the guys from B4 Alternative on Party 93.4 Hudson Valley, New York, uh, exclusively on Bean Town Gamer, as well as um, a couple other great original podcasts we have. And uh, maybe someday we'll get you to simulcast with us. Ooh. Oh, that'll be badass! You know what I want to do? If you want to give the if you want to give the code during give it away during the game segment, you know what? What I'll do is let me just go through some of these gaming news since um you know well, there's, there's like so an hour and a half about. left. Yeah, let me. Let, here's what I'll do. Let me go through it, and um, I'll have you call back, and we'll wrap it up with you and any of the stuff for the gaming news. Hey, one thing you need to talk about, and I'll start it for you before you even go into it. If you guys haven't downloaded X Men Arcade yet, you need to. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, you know what? Fuck. I didn't wrap up the, the, the wrestling segment, and, and the one nugget of information I had here, the only news item that I had, I almost forgot. Dude, Batista's daughter in a sex tape? What's up with that shit? Uh, <laughs> I saw the video when it's her just kissing her boyfriend, from what I heard. Yeah, but, you know, it's imagine imagine you're Dave Batista. You're trying to get into MMA. You know, he's filming the Scorpion King 3, which is a whole other story. But, um, you know, you're, tr you're trying to get a foothold in mainstream media, especially with MMA, you know, where, where your image, especially coming in, is very important. And you got your daughter out there doing whatever the fuck she's doing, blowing a guy, whatever she's doing. You know, I think it's a real poor time for that shit to drop. And you know what? I, don't, shit, I, don't, I, I wouldn't want to... I don't mean to sound stereotypical, and I gotta cut you off. But if, if you're a typical black guy fucking a, a, a fat white chick, plain and simple. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, black people. And sorry, you know fat what? White you chick. know what? That, that, that's a cutoff. I don't mind. But you gotta look at it like this, man. Imagine, imagine your Batista's your dad, and your 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 this tape gets out. 
if I was his boyfriend, I would be shitting my fucking pants right now. Because you got a guy, I don't give a shit if, you know, if he'll tear his quad taking a shit. It's still a guy who's about 330 that could probably smash a dude in half, and there's naked pictures of whatever the fuck it is of his daughter on the internet. You are a fucking dead man. See, here's the thing. I'd look at him laugh and say, you don't even draw, and then I'd walk away. <laughs> I, it, I would you know, run from him. I, I, I'd do what Andre the Giant did, the Ultimate Warrior. I'd put out my fist as he's running at me, and he'd fall over, and it would crack his paint. Well, you know, it, 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 as funny as that is, dude, I got and, – and, and it's a funny visual. I got to, you know, especially, you know, ha- having a family and, and, you know, raising my sisters and, and, and daughters. And, and just the, the, even though I want to have children, I always fear having a daughter. And you want to know why? Because of shit like this. Shit like this fucks it up. You know, I, you know, I hate to say it, but I can't even say that because I've ruined so many parents' daughters. You know, I'm sorry. But, but, but you oh, know what? So but, all the I'll parents be, out there honest. who I have sex tapes with their daughter, I'm so Okay, all right. There's, listen, there's no daughters with sex tapes. I erased all the evidence, plain and simple. No, well, you know what? Let, you know, just, just, <laughs> just to give a little insight into my upbringing. My mom was old school. My mom had a very, very legit saying, and it was pretty much, I put my rooster in the yard. Lock your hens up. And that was it. It, it. That was it. I put my rooster in the yard. Lock your hens up. And she'd tell me, you're going out there, you're meeting girls or whatever. She's like, don't bring them pregnant, don't knock them up, and do what you got to do. You know, it, it, that's the way it is. But then, you know, as a parent, when you have a daughter, it, it, you, don't, you know, a father can't tell his daughter, you know, make sure you use contraception and make sure you put saran wrap over your eyes if you take a money shot to the face. You know, no father will have that conversation with their daughter. You know what I mean? It's a, it's such a, a, a weird dichotomy. It's so, it's so fucked up, but it's, it's the way it is. I, I, I agree, and much like you said, you know, you, we, we've all ruined somebody's daughter at some point. But, again, when we're in that position, we're going to feel the same way probably Batista's feel. You know, it's like, fuck. You know, like, this is fucking terrible. And that's how it is. It's like, I understand where... You know the gag comes from, but when you're when the shoe's on the other foot, it's like I feel bad for the dude, especially because everybody's saying that that was the big topic of conversation at Raw. Imagine all these wrestlers like, huh? You know, look at him now. Daughter's fucking around. He's making a straight to video movie, and he's gonna he's he's trying to get a deal with an MMA promotion that's not the UFC. Like, there's so many jokes on the poor bastard. What can I say? But 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 feel bad for him, you know. No, you don't. You know what I can say about that? I could get. I could get her a great deal. I'll call Val Venus. There you go. Hey. Actually, no, wait, no. I'm sorry. You know, I grew up with. If you guys don't know porn, I, I grew up with Isabella Soprano. I could call her too, and she could get a job at the Bunny Ranch in a heartbeat. <laughs> Shit. You know, we're we're, we're very right. proud of our slutty Isabella Soprano, right from Bean Town. Hey, no, no hey. So, sometimes you got to be proud of the little things, man. But I, I can tell you this much: Batista is a little not thing, proud of I'm his sorry, daughter. but this shit probably ain't so little. <laughs> Fair enough. Ego. Christ. You know what? Fuck it. Let, let me wrap this up. Um, I want to go through some of the game news, and I'm going to have Slick call in for the VGAs. Once once we wrap that up, we, we'll call back in. We'll, I'll go through some stuff with you, and you can toss that code out. Fair deal? All right, man. All right, brother, Thanks for the call. I'll talk to you guys soon. BeantownGamer.com. Don't forget to check it out, guys. Shout out to my team. Yep. BeantownGamer.com. Uh, Cobra Clutch Radio. Get ready, guys. It's going to be big. All right.
Let's uh, let's talk some wrestling. I'm gonna get a drink of water and uh, actually let's talk some video games. Sorry, and um, that's next right after this. Let's talk some video games. First off, we got... I want to talk about some research items that, of course... You know, I love talking about studies that all these independent companies put out. You You got people getting cured for AIDS with stem cell research, not happening in the U.S., but in another country. And there's many jokes that can be had. And the way I see it is you got so much shit going on in the world but we end up having to endure shit like this first off it seems that us researchers instead of trying to figure out the cures for cancer the cure for aids and all this shit this is the kind of shit that they end up discussing dr christopher ferguson of texas a&m international university and his research team claim that aggressive behavior and violence is it goes hand-in-hand with video games. Here's how it works. The study that they came out with was focused on 302 youths, ages 10 to 14, get this, mostly Hispanic, and all living in a city on the border of Mexico. According to the study, 75% of the youths play video games within the past month on PCs, console, and other devices, while 40% played violent video games. After a year passed, 7% reported one or more criminally violent acts, and 19% reported one or more nonviolent crimes. Excuse me. Ferguson ultimately concluded that exposure to video game violence or even violence on television failed to predict aggressive behavior 12 months later, but depressive symptoms were proven. Let me tell you something. The fact, and this is what I love about studies, and the bullshit that 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 they're that that they're perpetrating. You did a focus group with 302 youths, mostly Hispanic, living in Mexico, where where police heads are left in the middle of city blocks during drug wars. When one of your police chiefs is a college student with zero law enforcement training because everybody else is scared to do the job because they'll get killed. The fact that you're sitting there and and saying using this study and citing it for depressive behavior or violence is, is absurd. It's, 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 you know, it's like saying, you know, it's like using the plot from Footloose and saying that dancing leads to people having sex. It's, it's a stupid thing. It is, it is, these are the studies that just blow my fucking mind. They do. I see that Don Anderson from Tumbling with Tumbleweed, which you can hear Tuesdays at 10 on the Block Talk Radio Network, is asking if I said youths, and I said youths with an H at the end. I did not say two youths or 302 youths. But um, jumping back into that, the, you know, the study did conclude that ex- ex- exposure to video game violence or violence on television did not predict aggressive behavior 12 months later, but depressive symptoms were concluded. 
the controls for studies like this just fuck me up. They do. Because you're, you're sitting there using these, using these skewed numbers as a rationale for equating video game violence to violence in the real world. It's stupid. It is. Shows like 16 and Pregnant, where girls are actually trying to get pregnant to end up on a show, are, are, are things that are perpetrating foulness in our fucking society. Let me tell you something, and this is a great joke. Um, a white girl gets pregnant, and she gets a, a, a one-hour show. A minority girl gets pregnant, she gets 30 minutes on Maury. It's, it, it's, it's, you know, it, that's the kind of shit that's being perpetrated out there. And it's not being perpetrated through uh, video games and violence. It's being perpetrated through stupid parents not raising their kids correctly and not being active in their children's lives. Instead of having your kids raised by Jerry Springer, Maury, MTV, Grand Theft Auto, take some responsibility for your children, and maybe they won't end up on studies and as fuck-ups in the news. Period. That's the way it goes. But you know what? On a brighter side of things, another study that I wanted to reference came out, which was that a new study showed that children that play fast-paced action games like shooters are able to more quickly process information and make correct decisions. According to research by cognitive scientists from the University of Rochester, playing an action game can actually train you to make the right decision faster. Video game players apparently develop a heightened sensitivity to what is going on around them. That is said to be a holdover into other daily activities like multitasking, driving, reading small print, keeping track of friends in a crowd, and navigating a town. Based on the following statement from Daphne Bavlier, which was, you, could not, you would not think playing video action games would be beneficial by watching an avid player blasting monsters. But according to Ms. Bavlier, which is a researcher at the Department of Brain and Cognitive Sciences in Rochester, our research shows that individuals learn through action gameplay how to make more informed decisions about their surroundings. They react extremely fast to events around them, but they're not trigger happy. Rather, our work shows that their brains are just better at processing the information they need to perform the task at hand. Think about that. You have two sides of a study. One side talking about the effects of, of violent video games and what they're doing to youth. But then on the flip side, you had a completely different study showing that their improved reaction times are a factor and that games should be used as tools to help reaction time improve. It's, it's always a, a double-sided argument, but I rule in favor of the fact that games do improve your reflexes. I remember when I was younger and I was learning how to drive, um, a big influence at the time were some of the racing games that I played back then, just because your hand-eye coordination is severely improved. I've seen studies and I've even seen videos where brain surgeons that deal with micro tools are learning from playing games on the Wii and using that, that, that delicate motion control to do certain things. If you play a game like Trauma Center, which requires um, steady hands and you know just um, full focus on what you're doing, things like that add merit to those studies. They improve. They improve everything about you from reaction time to thinking. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Occasionally you're driving to work and you want to definitely play a little burnout and run a couple of people off the road, but that's not something that's, a, that's an effect of gaming. That's just an effect on you hating your drive to work every day. So studies like this, one good, one bad. But at the end of the day, as gamers, I definitely feel that gaming is more of a plus than a minus. And the fact that the government and research companies take so much time into 
into devising strategies that the games um, affect and cause violent behavior as opposed to, you know, working on curing cancer or looking for a, for a relief for the national debt just boggles my fucking mind. And I can imagine how much money was paid out to interview 302 youths on the border of Mexico. I mean, don't get me wrong. They probably paid them a buck apiece to answer a question. But just unfortunate, man. It really is. Moving on, EA announced that on December 21st, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit will be getting downloadable content on the 360 and the PlayStation 3. The Super Sports Pack will be adding 13 new race and pursuit events, as well as three new cars, the Porsche 911 GT2 RS, uh, the Gumpert Apollo S, and the Bugatti Veyron uh, 16.4 Super Sport. Each car will be available in both cop and racer format. That's going to cost you $699 or 560 Microsoft points. In some PlayStation Home news, which I didn't even think I'd ever discuss as much as I have in the last couple of months, uh, PlayStation Home will be turning two years old. and um, Well, actually, they turned two years old, and the user base has increased from a poultry point two, from 2 million to 17 million. There are now 236 games available to play and 7,000 virtual items. So it seems that while Home isn't the best place ever, it definitely has carved out a niche for itself. Um, definitely, I use home once in a while. I don't like the fact that my avatar looks like T.I. Um, very, very disconcerting, so I don't use it a lot. And the uh, customization of your avatars on the PlayStation Home Network is just total horse shit. So um, if anybody out there has a plug with Sony, definitely tell them to improve avatar creation so that it somewhat resembles you and doesn't resemble random guy A in a police lineup. Ugh. Definitely needs to improve that. Of course, EA took the opportunity at the VGA Awards to unveil Mass Effect 3, which will be launching simultaneously on the PS3, 360, and PC when it comes out next holiday season. Of course, this news is following the announcement of Mass Effect 2 finally launching on the PlayStation 3 in January. The original Mass Effect, of course, remains exclusive to the Xbox 360 and the PC. Um, probably within the next 10 minutes or so, Handle is going to call in and we're going to be discussing the VGA awards, what we liked and what we disliked. And I definitely want his opinion on Mass Effect 3. So um, if you want to hear that, stick around. He should be calling in in about 10 minutes. Uh, moving on, uh, World of Warcraft Cataclysm, which I don't talk about often because I'm not a big PC gamer, definitely putting out some impressive numbers. The game broke PC records for one-day sales, selling 3.3 million copies. Sure, it's not Black Ops numbers, um, but definitely a huge, huge amount of numbers for Worlds of World of Warcraft. So definitely props to Activision and Blizzard for that. And some other downloadable content news. Unfortunately, it's a little late because it's coming after Christmas. You're going to be able to play the Dead Rising 2 Case West on December 27th. Uh, the game is going to take place inside the Phenotrans facility and will include co-op gameplay with Chuck Green and Frank West. In addition to that, you're going to be seeing the return of the photography mechanic, and that's going to run you 800 points on Xbox Live. In some Mortal Kombat news, Kratos, of course, being exclusive on the PS3 version of Mortal Kombat. Besides that, it seems that Warner Brothers took the opportunity to make some announcements. You'll be seeing the new Mortal Kombat in April. April 19th is going to be the exact date. You're going to have a collector's edition and a tournament edition with pre-order bonuses. The Collector's Edition is going to come with a Sub-Zero and Scorpion figurine, an art book, and downloadable content 
with uh, classic costumes and Avatar costumes, and I'm also hearing retro fatalities from the first games. Uh, the Tournament Edition, which is only going to be having a limited 20,000 copy release, will include the game, downloadable content, and a portable fight stick. So if you're wondering where you should pre-order it from, you can have a choice of GameStop, Best Buy, and Amazon, which, depending on the pre-order, will allow you to get the classic fatality, like I said. GameStop is giving you the option of getting Scorpion, um, the classic Scorpion with the classic fatality. Best Buy is doing the same, but with Sub-Zero, and Amazon is doing it for Reptile. Uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of Sub-Zero, so I'll probably be pre-ordering that through Best Buy. Um, and with that, uh, the next bit of news that I'm going to discuss, you know, it regards the Video Game Awards. And with that, I'm going to bring in Slick, and we're going to discuss that. Slick, you're on the air. What's up, man? What's going on, dude? Let's talk about these Video Game Awards. Um, before I get into this next bit of news, um, give give the listening audience your thoughts on the event. Well, as usual, it was a, you know... It was a big pile of trash. I mean, the highlight of it was, um, you know, the, the trailers, which my favorite was. <laughs> my fault. The the highlight of the, the trailers would have been Arkham City, which at first I thought was live action. That's how good it looked. I still want to see if the actual final game looks that good because, I'm sure that's the the actual in-game engine, but somehow I see that if if anything, I see that, see that as being the PC version. I don't see um, PS3 or 360 looking quite that good. Um, did you did, is that, do you feel that that that's going to be the game to beat? Uh, you know, for 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 2011 in terms of quality. It's definitely going to be a high-quality game. I think in terms of quality, even though it's not for me, I think um, Elder Scrolls V might actually take that. Oh, nice. Because, again, I'm not an Elder Scrolls fan, but the 3 and 4, you know, they won Game of the Year on both of their respective years, and they were fantastic. And they... They've clearly taken their time for five because four came out, what, three years ago? I think so, yeah. And they're not releasing this until about this time next year. So they've got plenty of time to polish up Elder Scrolls Five. I think that will probably be the big thing in 2011, even though it's coming out at the end. Uh, the other game that I saw that I was that I was personally excited for, other than Batman, was Prototype Two because I love Prototype One. Even though you know there was the whole thing with comparing it to Infamous, I'm just taking the game on its own. It had mediocre gameplay, but it had a really really good story and really good music. And the only thing I'm upset with it, with it so far is the fact that, according to how the trailer went even though he's still a main part of the story, you don't seem to be playing as Alex Mercer anymore. And that, I hope that's something that's either going to change or going to only be half the case, like with, you know, with Halo, where you play as Master Chief and a Covenant soldier. So right. it could be something like that. 
other than that, most of the actual show is forgettable because you have Olivia Munn, which all the idiot fanboys are drooling over, wearing, like, the worst outfit ever. And you somehow found a way to make NTH not funny. I was like, how do you make Neil Patrick Harris not funny? You suck the talent right out of the room along with everything else. (laughs) We found a way. I mean, he had the best segments in the show when he was arguing with Spider-Man and and doing the Angry Birds segment, but that was about it. You know, in referencing that, and, and, you know, I'll I'll, I'll throw my two cents in there. Um, The Spike TV Awards, and and I'm going to throw this number out there before I give you my take on it, the VGAs debuted in 2007 at a time when they brought in 921,000 viewers. Fast forward, we look at 2010 and their most recent award show, which had 627,000 viewers, down 20,000 from last year. Not only that, but on the flip side, viewers 18 to 49 contributed to a 12% boost, up from 450,000 this year compared to 370 last year. The 18 to 34-year-old demographic also increased by 5%. The most significant rise, of course, was the mail to the male demo of 18 to 34, which went up 15%. The problem is, in looking at that, you're capturing the demo that you want, but at the same point, you're alienating a hardcore video game fan base because all the silly segments, all the contrived jokes, all the shitty teleprompter reading detracted from the fact that you wanted to see the right games win the right awards. It ended up being who had the bigger bankroll to solidify that their games get voted in the favorable categories. How does Kratos lose as character of the year to the guy from Black Ops? That's exactly. not even me saying it on the premise that I like God of War and I'm a huge God of War fan, but just in terms of just storyline, character, you know, connection with the character, you follow the story of Kratos through three games and all of a sudden random guy B in Black Ops is your character of the year. How does he lose to Mario? You know, like, how does, how does Mario not win it for Mario Galaxy or Kratos? And the guy from Black Ops all of a sudden becomes character of the year, which is a totally baseless award that anybody um, but but not an 18-year-old gives a shit about. But still, it's, it's you know, who has the bigger bankroll? I don't know, man. It's like the only the only award that really surprised me, and it's because it wasn't bullshit, was Red Dead Redemption winning Game of the Year. Not saying that it would have been my choice, but it's something that actually deserved the award. And I was shocked to hell that freaking Call of Duty Black Ops didn't take that shit because, you know, we're giving out, like, like we said on Saturday, we're giving out awards for 2010's best to games that came out like three days ago. There you go. I agree. In terms of doing that, it's like, oh, yeah, let's do such and such. It's, it's stupid that a game that came out three weeks ago is going gonna, is gonna to end up winning some of these awards, and that's one of the things that annoyed me, and it just showed how biased it was. I mean, they said that the fans voted it in, and fine, I'll, I'll give them that. But you also got to be realist 
uh, a realist in the sense that if you give the fans voting choices about games that just came out and games that came out, you know, February 15th, 2010, people are going to vote for the new shit because that's what's in their console now. True, I mean... it's It's appalling. It's appalling that you would think that they couldn't sit there and look at you know, uh, Okami as an example, or a game like, or a game like that that not didn't get a lot of fanfare in terms of promotion, but was a solid title, or a game like Crackdown, or Crackdown Two. You know what I mean? Like looking at games that that came out in 2010 that were, you know, that were solid. Uh, Crackdown Two, if it had been up for Game of the Year, I'd have been equally as appalled as much as I played the hell out of that game. Oh, no, I'm not saying for game of the year, but just in some of the categories in general. You're seeing games that, that came out, you know, three weeks ago. Like, like you know, like you, you know, Epic Mickey. People were like, oh, Epic Mickey should have been nominated. Yeah, well, you know what? You had, I guess it couldn't get in on a slot with the other 20 games that were released the same week Epic Mickey came out, you know? Basically. Yeah, that was the other thing with the freaking awards. It's like every category had, like, the same three games in it. Yep. How do you have an award show where it's it's like you have really about, at most, about 10 games ruling the entire show? There you go. It, 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 it is terrible that people would go to that, to that length to, to line the pockets of a network to do that. And, you know, again, um, I, I got a guy, he messaged me on Twitter, and he goes, Dude, if you didn't like, if the awards suck so bad, why are you watching them? Because these are things that need to be addressed. Anything that that you do for a show needs prep work. I thought, and that was my response. Like, dude, we have to watch all this shit. You know, we have to watch wrestling. We have to watch MMA. We have to watch every promotion. We have to play all the different games that come out. That's what we. That's part of the reason why we do what we do. And you're going to get good shit with bad shit. And, and, you know, like I said, I appreciated the fact that I saw so many great trailers for so many great games. That's fantastic, and I applaud that. But if you've got to endure lame jokes, poor sight gags, and and shitty setups to see a trailer that you can probably see on YouTube in an hour, what's the point? Why waste your time and production on that? Yeah, because everything that was on Spike was on GameTrailers.com like a few seconds later. There you go. So all that, and that's what you ended up doing. You ended up tossing the shit out into Game Trailers or onto YouTube or even onto G4 or X-Play or whatever, and, you know, it loses its luster. Not even that, but I know of enough people that just DVR'd it and fast-forwarded it and only watched the trailers, which I'm sure is a factor for their revenue, for their viewership being down as well. We DVR'd that shit. You know that. We fast-forwarded through most of it. And caught up. That's how much we were fast-forwarded. We actually caught up to a live feed about, and the show was about an hour in when we started watching it. That's right. It's uh, it's unfortunate. I mean, you know, it's great that the, that the adult viewership went up and they got the male demo 18 to 49, but look at it like this. You had... 921,000 viewers when it dropped in 2007. And the quality has suffered so much that you've lost 300,000 viewers from 2007 to 2010. I got to stop you for a second. It's not the quality that's suffered. 
is see is people realizing that the quality was never there. Because honestly, that's, that's, you know that's a novel show, way of putting it. This year's show, in terms of presentation, was actually pretty good because that whole virtual so reality, reality. Thing, that was pretty cool. Show still sucked, but that was that was really a cool way to to present like the some of the segments. Yeah, I just felt I felt that the people that they had presenting and the stuff that they had shown. Well, let, let me tell you. You take a, you take Uncharted Three, Mortal Kombat, uh, Arkham City, uh, Forza, all great games. But then in there, you throw in the grand world premiere of a trailer for a Thor game. Like that was a complete fucking buzzkill with old helmet with old helmet hair running around beating people's asses. It's like great trailer, great trailer, snakes on a plane, and then great trailer, great trailer. <laughs> you know? Like, that's what it was. It was like it was just like the, the, the ugly girl in the beauty pageant. Like, oh, yeah, we'll throw this out because, you know, I'm sure Marvel paid a lot of money to get this trailer on there. Oh, yeah, and Chris Hemsworth is there to plug it. Who gives a shit? Movie-based games, 85% of the time, suck balls. You know this. <laughs> You got freaking that, Guillermo del Toro's game coming out. It's like, why did they even bother with that trailer that told us nothing? But dude, it's like it's like Forza, Kratos, and Mortal Kombat, Arkham City, you know, Black Ops, uh, snowboarding. I mean, uh, SSX. You know, you look at all that and you say to yourself, "Wow, this is an awesome trailer." Then you see the trailer for Thor which looks like it was fucking created with an Etch-A-Sketch and Photoshop. It, it, it was stupid. That's when I knew that somebody was getting paid off. Who gives a shit I about a board the, game? I love the Twitter post about the, the dudes that were excited for SXX. It's like, wow, finally you can, you can ski down a real mountain. I was like, dude, it's fucking SXX. Why are well, you excited? you know what it is? People... People wanted the franchise back, and that's fine. I have no issue with SSX coming back as a franchise, but when you basically create Black Ops on snowboarding and you and, and give people zero idea about the gameplay, oh, look, you're, go, you're snowboarding down a big mountain. Great. Thanks. Thanks for telling me you something I don't fucking suit. know. You got a flight suit when you fuck up and fall off the mountain. Yeah, it's like, it's like, oh, great, thanks. Thanks for doing something that's been done in countless snowboarding games. What are you giving me that's new other than pretty graphics? You see what I'm saying? Like, like that's what bothers me with the game trailers, too, to an extent. It's like, like when we looked at the Resistance 3 trailer, let's take the easy way out and make it live action and throw in two seconds of, of, of gameplay. It's like, for what? what? What are you accomplishing? Jack shit. And then at the end, you know, the one thing that pissed me off with Resistance other than the live action was the end of the trailer. I'm like... If I was in some kind of freaking post-apocalyptic future, or even past as it was 1950s, and humanity's gone to shit and turned into the into these fucking freaking monsters, I don't want to fight them with a fucking hammer. As much as I make, oh, as much as you know me making jokes about hammers, a hammer exactly. is the last fucking thing I want about uh, against those things. I want there big fucking guns. I agree, hundred and ten percent. 
You got the guy like I said. death match with about ten of them thing uh, against with a fucking hammer. It, it really is. It really is appalling that that was the route they chose to go. It's like, yeah, let's take the easy way out. But you know what? Sony's done that before. How many of their trailers for their big games are live action and then a glimpse of gameplay? I will tell you this. You know, the Uncharted 3 trailer, especially because I started playing Uncharted 1, I said to myself, this game is going to be a fucking problem. And, you know, they did the right thing. They used in-game graphics. They used a nice cinema trailer from that's probably a cinema in the game to set it up. Same thing with Arkham City. Arkham City, it's like, boom, we're going to hit you with this, but we're going to leave it open so you can ask yourself, wow, is that the game? But then you take a trailer for Resistance, like, yeah, let's just get some live-action actors and, you know, build build a buzz on bullshit. Uncharted 3 was really smart because they're, they're like, they spent a, a bunch of time, like, you know, giving you details on what the story would be like. And they, you know, they're going to shoot a movie for the, the game, so that made a lot of sense. Even though we all know the movie will suck. There you go. It's 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 just a, appalling, and, and I, you know that's why I wanted to have you call in and discuss that because it was one of those things where I can sit here and talk about all the shit that was wrong with the show, but the fact that we watched it together and we even did the live chat for the show, and it was just negativity upon negativity upon negativity of shit. It, it was funny, you know, because people in the chat, Nisi, you know, myself, De Silva, we were just, you know, we were just cracking jokes on the shittiness that was being put into something that has the potential to generate millions of dollars in revenue. You know, it's like, it's like taking an, a, a car full of gold that you would normally transfer in an armored car and putting it in a Yugo to drive it across the city. It, that was the equivalent of the show. It's like there's all this great shit with the potential to make so much money, but you're wrapping it in garbage. Well, then again, they did have the best joke of the night, which was um, Olivia Munn trying to chew out NPA saying how how dare he be the host of the show when she's been a video game correspondent for years. I'm like, how are you a video game correspondent? You've been a cue card reader for years, and you can't even You've do that. You've been a cue right. card reader. You've been a cue card reader with fancy costumes and occasional game jokes who who used it as a stepping stone to move on to the Daily Show and bigger and better things like sitcoms and whatever. And that's great. But you know what it is? You did it on the backs of the gaming community, amongst other things. And, um, you know, it's just – I just felt that it was, it was in poor taste. Like, I can understand if you were hosting it on G4 or it was being played on G4, but, but just the, the dialogue seemed so forced. God, I, I just I just felt that the segment was fucking shitty. The dialogue was forced from when they stopped dancing at the beginning of the show. Sad but and very that's, true. That's bad because again, it's Neil Patrick Harris. How do you fuck it up? This is true. Well, you fuck it up by by wrapping it like I said, wrap, gift wrapping it in shit. When Neil Patrick Harris is your host and he's coming straight off the cuff and he's pausing and there's silence, there's not a piece of laughter, your show has a real problem. That is very, very, very true. And it's funny, DeSilva used a great example. The World MMA Awards had better dialogue and it's, and it's terrible because the World MMA Awards had just as much shitty dialogue and, to, and, and, and it's terrible, but 
I have to agree. There seemed to be better chemistry there in a, in a broadcast that was an hour than in a two-hour fucking award, video game awards um, show. It was, it was terrible. Because they could have just announced the winners and shown the trailers and cut, cut all the other bullshit out. This is true. Oh, it, with, with that said, um, that's actually going to close out the segment. Anything else you want to add, my friend? No, I'm waiting for the movie news. Then I'll go real All right. All right. Um, just before we close out, Billy ended up giving me um, a code for Worms 2 for PSN. Um, got to figure out a way to give it out. I was going to give it out in the chat, but it seems that everybody turns into pumpkins after midnight. So um, let's definitely discuss a way to give that out since Billy went, went to such great lengths to provide the code. So we'll, uh, we'll figure something out, I guess, after the show. No problem, man. All right, man. I will catch you in the movie segment. Uh, I'll talk to you in a few. All right, peace. All right, I'm going to take a quick commercial break. When I get back, we're going to talk some movies right after this. I wonder what's on tonight, even. Tonight at 10 on your local news. I said to Jesus, Jesus, can you save me? This is the deal of the century, people. I'm telling you. So, Jason, uh, what, what, I mean, what, what are we doing tonight, tumbling with Tumbleweed, Tuesday nights at 10 p.m., blogtalkradio.com, Eastern Standard Time? Do you even know? Jason? Jason, are you there? Let's talk some movies with that beautiful Scott Pilgrim Universal uh, theme intro. First off, that beautiful dynamic duo of Adam Sandler and Kevin James are back in another beautifully done romantic comedy. It's going to be called The Valet Guys, about two valet parking guys at a South Beach hotel who witness a murder and find themselves running for their lives. This has comedy gold written all over it, right up there with Paul Blart, Mall Cop, Grown Ups, and other Kevin James gems that have been out. Uh, you know, Adam Sandler was, was passable and funny people. I thought he hit his stride with grown-ups to an extent. But these buddy comedies, especially with a guy like Kevin James, who's decently funny. I'm not going to say he's the funniest motherfucker out there, but he's decent at best. Just has disaster written all over it. And you're basically doing a movie about valet parking attendants. Zero humor in that whatsoever. Moving on to some Marvel news, uh, Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige was in a live chat earlier this month, uh, earlier this week, I should say, and he actually gave some details on some upcoming Marvel projects. Uh, one of the first questions that was asked was the fact that was Tony Stark going to be having new armor with the, uh, in the new Avengers film? Um, he went on record as saying that Joss Whedon would kill me if I give anything away, but he did say that you will see the evolution of his armor that was prevalent in Iron Man 2 continue in the Avengers. In regards to, the Thor, to, Thor's ego, to Thor's alter ego, Donald Blake appearing, he did say that people looking for a Donald Blake reference in the film will find one. He was actually asked about the Punisher, which I didn't think 
was actually back in Marvel's possession, but he did announce that the Punisher's back in-house and various plans are in the works. I mean, Punisher Warzone, like I said, was a gem for its for its truest depiction of the Punisher, but to see him back in the Marvel Universe means that you can probably um, expect to see him pop up in different films because he's, he's such a universal character, especially for characters that are in New York. They're bound to run into the Punisher at some point or another. Um, Slick said that you can expect a shitty PG-13 Punisher movie. Sad, but I have to agree. When asked about the long-rumored Iron Fist project, he said that a very talented writer is currently working on a draft for that. An Iron Fist movie would definitely be good if it's done in a style like Ninja Assassin or in, done in a style like um, like Fist of Legend with Jet Li. Uh, the Iron Fist character, while not the deepest character, if done right, can be a very successful martial arts flick. If that happens, by all means, I'll be very happy. But the Iron Fist character is boring as shit. So you're going to need to add a lot of kung fu in there to make it good. When asked about rumored short films with lesser-known characters, he said that the short's rumor is exactly that, a rumor, but they do like the idea. Lastly, the last two things he discussed was the possibility of the Ant-Man film, which he said is being worked on, a uh, draft for it is being worked on, and the possibility of a movie based on Moon Knight, which another fucking third-tier character that probably most people don't give a shit about. Moon Knight's a challenging but extremely interesting character. He said we've been discussing various versions of it for years. I'm sure you'll probably see something like that, probably animated. I don't think a live-action Moon Knight film has any grounds for being made whatsoever, but you never know. They may go with that. Uh, Don Anderson brought up a good one, Rom Space Knight. I actually used to read Rom the Space Knight. Huge fan of that, so I'd like, like to see that. For sure, definitely as an animated or a CGI-style flick, maybe Pixar involvement would make for a really good Rom the Space Knight film. So props to Don Anderson for throwing that out there. Let's talk some box office numbers. Uh, the Chronicles of Narnia was number one with uh, $24.5 million. The Tourist was number two, which some people are saying was considered a bomb by most standards. Uh, Tangled was number three which you can check out the review for that that Josh put up on MyTakeRadio.com. It's made $115.6 million. Uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows was four. Unstoppable was five. Black Swan was six. With a limited release, Burlesque was seven. Love and Other Drugs was eight. Due Date was nine. I can't even believe that movie's still in the top ten. And Megamind is ten. It's made $140.2 million. In some, in some nice remake news, which I'm sure you guys are chomping at the bit for, Universal Pictures has inked a deal to remake the film's Firestarter, based on the movie with Drew Barrymore. Um, it's being written by Ma Mark L. Smith that did Vacancy, and no director has been hired yet. Of course, the film was based on a Stephen King novel about a girl with pyrokinetic powers due to experiments conducted on her parents. She's being pursued by government agents who want to use her abilities as a weapon. Once again, Hollywood dipping into the remake pool with a Firestarter remake. I'm sure they'll find a way to, to take an, a, a little young starlet and throw her in there as a, uh, a nice movie vehicle. I'm sure it's not going to be as violent and as, as, as scary as the original Firestarter was, so you can expect a PG-13 version of that, or hell, a version that you may see on the Disney Channel. In some Deadpool movie news, Rob Liefeld actually has been very busy on Twitter as of late, which I've been reading a lot of his tweets. Uh, he actually gave a little bit of insight into what's going on with the film. Currently, there's a script that's been penned by Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, who did Zombieland. 
In regards to who he'd like to see direct, he said Reese and Wernick, the Wachowskis, Joe Carnahan, uh, Gendy, Tartovsky, or Sylvester Stallone. Um, Adam Berg has been mentioned thus far as a possible director, but it's not concrete. I will tell you this, from the choices that Rob Liefeld gave out, Reese and Wernick would work just because of the great work they did on Zombieland. Um, Joe Carnahan definitely, um, if, if you've seen any of his previous works, you, you'll understand that he's really good at doing gritty crime films. Um, and St- Stallone is just big budget appeal, and he'd want to fucking pop up in the movie in some shape, way, or form. So from an action standpoint, great, but from a uh, from just the quality of film, definitely I'd keep Stallone away. And uh, Gendy Tartovsky... Tarkovsky would be would be the the choice that I can see going with. Uh, Slick agrees with that 100%. He actually said uh, Tartakovsky all the fucking way. So, um, I, personally, Joe Carnahan is my pick or Reese and Wernick. But we'll find out a director for that real soon. I've actually been trying to reach out to Rob Liefeld on Twitter, but his uh, non-interactive personality continues to shine through. But we're going to continue at it. We'll see what happens. Um, Superhero Hype actually announced this week that John Favreau will not be directing the third Iron Man film. Um, earlier this week, it was rumored that one of the reasons was that Iron Man 3 was going to be an extension of the Avengers, Iron Man, and Captain America films instead of being a movie focusing just on Iron Man. So I can definitely see Favreau's frustration with that. In addition to that, he was frustrated with taking Iron Man 2 and making it basically a prequel for the Avengers which is true because there was definitely a lot of contrived stuff that was thrown in there, like Captain America's shield just popping up randomly, this, that, and the third. Definitely factors that motivated him to withdraw from the project. Uh, John Favreau is actually going to be working on a movie based on Disney's Magic Kingdom after he finishes up with Cowboys and Aliens. Of course, this raises a very interesting question in regards to who will they get to direct next, especially because Robert Downey Jr. has a clause in his contract regarding contractual approval over the next director. So definitely it's going to be interesting. I'm not fond of the fact that they want to make Iron Man 3 an extension of the other movies, and instead they should keep it as a standalone story. Not happy with that at all. And the way I see it is this is actually more of of a shot in the leg for Marvel than a victory because Favreau did such a great job with the first Iron Man. And, and the second one, other than some of the stuff that was – that was subject like the forced Avengers mentions thrown left and right was a very good film. We'll see what happens in the coming weeks for sure. Uh, The director of Green Hornet, Michael Gondry, recently shared his thoughts on the Comic-Con audience that walked out of his Green Hornet presentation back in July. I actually wanted to reference this because I've seen the trailer for the Green Hornet a couple of times already. I I just feel it's going to suck. And it's terrible because I try to give a lot of movies a shot, but it's just nothing about the movie grabs me. It, it was interesting for about five seconds, much like The Spirit was. The Spirit movie, if you haven't seen it, don't. Um, it's happening also with The Green Hornet. It looks promising, but it's just complete shit. And what Michael Gondry said the following, I usually identify with the nerds, but these ones just reinforce the social rules. Their values are fascist. All those people marching around in, cat, in capes, masks, and boots. The superhero imagery is totally fascist. When you step into this genre, they feel it belongs to them. They want you to conform, or they won't like you. They want the conventional. 
I agree in some respects with that statement, but you have to take into account that when you're taking a character like the Green Hornet or any character that's that's beloved by um, a subgenre of fans, it it has to be done a certain way because those are the guys that are going to buy merchandise, buy tickets, you know, buy a Green Hornet ray gun, wear the Green Hornet costumes for Halloween or at Comic-Con. So, you know, their feedback is important. And for you to sit there and call them fascist is definitely not doing your movie any favors considering that the people that have seen it thus far have said it sucks. I don't know, man. It's it's really, really a, a, a touchy subject for, for a lot of comic fans, especially when you want to talk about how true the films that have been coming out are to the books. Some people are highly, highly, highly confrontational about that. You know, I had a when I had um, Ronaldo from Superhero Hype on a couple of shows back, he was very passionate about what he feels is wrong with the comic films. And I agreed with most of his points. There were some things I didn't agree on. But that guy's a hardcore fan, especially considering that the the superhero genre um, is also a factor in in him making money. So he has the right to be passionate about that. But, again, there are certain things that you have to kind of look past, especially when you're taking a medium like a comic and converting it to film, you can't do it panel for panel. Sometimes you have to adjust to the medium. I'm not saying totally jump away from the comic, but there have to be adjustments. You can't condense certain things into an hour and a half or 90 minutes. It's it's just not the way it is. I think that in, in the end, there has to be a balance. There has to be um, alterations to fit the medium, but definitely um, more more structure in terms of basing it from the book. And with that, I think that I see Slick's hands raised, so I'm assuming he definitely wants to discuss that. And there's only a couple of other things I want to discuss to wrap it up, so let me bring him back in. Slick, what do you got, dude? Fascist? Yeah, what he, the fuck he, what, no, what the fascist. fuck is he talking about? <laughs> he said it's fascist because he feels that they. Go ahead, man. Go ahead, man. No, no, no. You're, you're, I'm usually the guy that, that always, you know, I'm the guy that always wants to be different. But when it comes to fucking a story that's that's already set in stone, yes, you fucking conform. You wouldn't freaking expect like a story about freaking Jesus or Moses and see fucking jet planes and ninjas and shit, would you? No. So why is it that these fucking idiot directors and writers and everything always want to make these superhero movies and do basically nothing that's in the the canon? I can understand if you want to take Spider-Man, Batman, any, any character and just do a story that hasn't been done, something that's not in the comics. Use the information that you already have and write a new story. Or you fucking even get the current writer for the book to write a new story that's not in the comics and do a movie based on that. But taking the information that's already there and basically throwing the shit in a blender and tossing what comes out on the wall and saying, hey, there's your movie, this is what the fuck they're doing. This is why the so-called fascists want you to conform. Because you're fucking up shit that's already there. You're fucking up shit that you have no reason to fuck up. Uh, 
perfect example, the X-Men trilogy, I'm like, there was no reason for those movies to be that bad. There was no Very reason true. for you to make up this shit that just didn't make any sense to be there. Well, Wolverine, they did the same thing. You know that. We've discussed that at length. You know, Wolverine as a popcorn flick was passable. Wolverine, in terms of being true to the comics, not so much. The guy gets his memory erased from a magic bullet that he got shot with. You know, like, like that didn't make any sense. Deadpool all of a sudden had the powers of Mimic. It, it was just like, yeah, we'll just, we'll just borrow this extra shit and we'll just do this and, and it'll work. You know, we swear it'll work. I, you know, Wolver, a, a movie based on Wolverine should have been, like, and, and I've said this in multiple episodes, should have been one of the highest grossing superhero films of all time, considering the source material you're dealing with. And it should have been violent but, as fucking all hell, like I always say. Yep, that's why the Punisher films, you know, a lot of people, they, they shit on Punisher Warzone for multiple reasons, but if you take a, if you take a step back and you watch it just, just, for, to appreciate the story, you realize that that was the truest representation of the Punisher on film. He wore the skull, he wore the black, you know, the black suit, he went in there, he killed people violently, and he had a very skewed sense of justice, which is exactly how it is. Yeah, they took liberties with Jigsaw, his origin, this, you know, this part of the origin, that part of the story. But you know what? Like I said, adjustments like that need to be made to fit the source medium. I can appreciate that, but the overall scope of the story was true to the books. You open up a Marvel Max version of The Punisher, you pretty much are seeing panel for panel shots like you saw in the movie. People's heads getting blown off, people getting stabbed in the eye with knives. That's the shit you're going to see. And it's so rare that that shit happens anymore. Yep. I mean, you know, Spider-Man 2... Oh, no, you're right. Spider-Man 2 was the best dollar. one for that. What was that? All they care about is making that dollar. But the thing is, if you, quote-unquote, conform to the fascists, guess who would come run out and see your movie? The fascists. That's what I said. It's, you know, times. The same fucking people that he's talking shit about are the people who go and see a movie five fucking times in the theaters. And guess what? That means you make paper. Absolutely. I think that that, that the, the wording he used in his statement, you know, their values being fa- fascistic, um, was, was definitely not garnering him much favor. Again, I, I looked at it from both sides. I can understand sometimes comic book fans get a little too impassioned and they don't want to look past, you know, budget constraints or, you know, um, movie, you know, the, the length of a film and budget. And you got to look at shit like that, too, and that's fine. You know, like, when, when you looked at um, the X-Men as an example, and people were like, you know, Wolverine didn't have on the yellow costume. Sure. In a perfect world, the yellow costume is what you'd want to see on screen. But when you're translating it into a new medium in the real world, you know, in, in 2009 or 2008 when it came out, a guy running around in yellow spandex isn't exactly scaring anyone. You know, like, you have to make certain certain attempts to, to understand shit like that. Like, you can't complain about that. You can't. You know, people complaining about, you know, Dr. Octopus in the second Spider-Man, which to me was the, one of the, the better of the, tri- of, the, of the trilogy. 
and, oh, his origin wasn't like that, and, you know, Doc Ock wasn't a fat guy. You know, just little nuances like that. And it's like, you know what? You had, they fleshed out his story, and they made him a character you actually gave a fuck about. And guess what? A guy in a fucking North Face tracksuit isn't exactly scary either. You could have gave him a fucking brown and orange suit and gave him a mask, and fans would have been happy. Fans would have been really happy with that shit. Even if you just did it in freaking um, the Wolverine movie. And you talk about budget constraints. Fucking the last X-Men movie had a scene where freaking Magneto ripped apart the Golden Gate Bridge. You're going to tell me you couldn't have cut out that useless scene and made Juggernaut CG? That's that's a good example. I mean, but that's what I'm saying. Like sometimes they they hide the 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 lack of sub the lack of substance and they make up for it with stylish things. You know, it's happened. How many movies have you and I seen together and separate where the movie's all style and and the rest of it is total bullshit? I mean, you look at a movie like The Expendables, which was you know a kick-ass action flick, but when you strip out the cast that's in there, it's a movie you're going to see on Cinemax at twelve in the afternoon. <laughs> Exactly. You know, it, it, that, that's what I'm saying. But they went with style and casting to to get you in. And that's what happens with a lot of these movies. I think that they're going to try and do that with Spider-Man, the reboot. They're going to try and do a lot of style. They're going to try and, and, and gear it towards a younger audience in, in hopes that, that, that it'll catch on. I'm very concerned that that's not going to be the case because people are already not embracing the direction that they're going in. I could be wrong, but, you know, the, the first impressions thus far haven't been positive. I, I'm just puzzled by this freaking strain away from R ratings because they say R ratings equals lower sales. And it, that's not true. I mean... It doesn't. I mean, it, it's just a matter that you want your characters to be true to, to, their, to their namesakes and origin. Like a Wolverine film, I'm sorry, it should be R rated. A Punisher film should be R-rated. Even a Daredevil film, because uh, of, the, of the violence, especially because he's an urban superhero, you need to capture, capture that. The Blade movies were successful because they didn't stray into that PG rating territory. They, stray, you know, they, they, they strayed into other territory, which kind of messed up the franchise. But there was always that, that violent streak in the Blade character that made those films successful, because that's what people wanted to see. Yeah, I mean, if you want to, let's even go out on a limb here. As fun-loving and as lighthearted as Spider-Man is, there's a shitload of storylines in Spider-Man that would have to be R-rated. Because honestly, That's if right. you want to have, if you really wanted to have a Spider-Man versus Venom movie, especially early Venom, it would need to be R-rated. If you ever wanted to do Carnage, it would have to be R-rated. If right. you wanted but to you do Hobgoblin. It has to be. Oh yeah, it has to be R-rated. But see, with a, with the Venom character, it, it, they could do like they did with Wolverine in, in in X-Men Two, where there's a lot of killing going on, but it goes off off-screen, and you know you can be safe with that, but still keep the roots. It, it, you know, if you want if you want to keep that rating, just make it that you know people are getting killed off-screen, or you know you see you know him grab a guy, and the guy's screaming, and then. You know, Venom spits out a boot because he ate the guy. You know, but that's how you do it. You you go that route, and you don't go with the with the contrived origins and and the force feeding. And and we we can bitch about Spider Man three for for a whole show, but 
these are the things that we we talk about on a consistent basis. And and the commentary from from Michael Gondry, especially a a director like him that that's done a lot of really good pictures, independent and otherwise, just it, it bugged me out because I had to look at it from both angles. But to call your your fan base for a movie based on a superhero fascist is 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 huge, man. That's that's a that's a big word. That's a bold statement, especially for a movie that's not out. You know what's the weirdest part? The movies that should be, have the stronger ratings are going towards the, the lighter end to get the, the softer rating, supposedly to pull in younger audiences, which basically, basically just means you want to have merchandising that you can sell to kids. Absolutely. But the movies that are automatically family-friendly and are supposed to appeal to all audiences, the movies that used to always be like G, they're going the other way. They're a little yep. bit more violent, and they get they get the PG rating. Something I'm thinking right. like the last few big animated movies, like Up, Despicable Me, they're rated PG. Megamind. I mean, yeah. I mean, Despicable Me. Your lead hero got killed. Kidnapping <laughs> of three children. That's right. I don't know, man. I think I think this is going to be one of those things where where we're going to be arguing, you know, arguing about it and debating it till we're blue in the face. But before we before I hang up with you, I did want to just throw out this last bit of news. It seems that Miramax and the Weinstein Company are looking to make sequel sequelitis the uh, the big thing in 2011. And I just wanted to throw out these titles that they're doing sequels for: uh, Bad Santa, Rounders. Shakespeare in Love, Bridget, Do- Bridget Jones' Diary, Copland, From Dust Till Dawn, Swingers, Clerks, Shall We Dance, and The Amityville Horror. And they want to do either TV shows. They want to do TV shows, direct to DVD sequels, etc., etc. The only movie there that I even see any possible potential for sensible sequel is Clerks. Of, of course, you know, Clerks Clerks would definitely be a sequel I wouldn't mind. From Dust Till Dawn, I mean, they did a couple of straight-to-video sequels, which isn't bad. Bad Santa, maybe direct-to-video, not in the theater. Rounders and Shakespeare in Love, nobody gives a shit about. The Amityville Horror, that's been done countless other times. That's what's happening. Mind you, you got sequels coming out already with Scary Movie 5, Spy Kids 4, and Scream 4. Let's not forget Saw 8, because you know that's coming. Oh, yeah, of course. So, Miramax is just uh, squeezing squeezing the nugget out of every franchise they can. And um, I figured I'd, uh, I'd, I'd get your thoughts on that to wrap it up. I'm just, I don't know, like, is it really that hard to fucking write something original? I mean, I guess I it is. I answer my own question. Yes, it is hard to write something original. But it involves you trying. And motherfuckers just aren't trying. Nope. They are not trying, sir. It's a, it's a sad thing when they're not investing any energy whatsoever into what they're putting out. 
It's just, yeah, we'll just make a sequel. You know what? I'm, I'm going to do my letter over the air right now. Dear Santa Claus, this year for Christmas, I don't want anything for myself. I've been a very bad boy. Can you please get these assholes in Hollywood some imagination and, you know, have them put out some new movies so we can stop getting rehashes? Thank you. There you go. Fair enough. We'll go. We'll go with that. <laughs> please, please say I'm, I'm reduced to begging Santa Claus. I'm reduced to begging Santa Claus for new shit. Well, that's it, my friend. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, it, it's been a, it's been a great seventy episodes. Um, I, you know, wanted to take the moment. You know, thank you for all the work you got, you put in. Um, along with Andrea, Josh, Bronx, and you know, 70 episodes in, you guys do a kick-ass job. So definitely wanted to take a moment and, and thank you for that. Anytime, man. All right, man, that's it. I'll be here for the next 70. I'll talk to you later, man. All right, brother. Thanks. All right, that wraps up the show for this week. Got to throw out a couple of plugs. Of course, a big shout-out to Billy, a.k.a. Ryan Storm from Beantown Gamer. You can check out beantowngamer.com for um, – all the news and reviews there. Of course, Cobra Clutch Radio launching in February. Keep an eye out on BeantownGamer.com for news regarding that. And, of course, on My Take Radio and MyTakeRadio.com when we get some stuff, some information regarding that. You know, of course, Billy is welcome to come back and talk about Cobra Clutch Radio. And, of course, I'll probably stop in there at some point. Uh, Billy actually gave out a code for um, the PlayStation Network for Worms 2 courtesy of Beantown Gamers, so I will be probably throwing that up on Twitter just because uh, the chat room got really quiet, so definitely thanks to the crew at Beantown Gamer for that, and um, if you're on Twitter, of course, you can follow us and take the opportunity to get a code, so check that out as well. Uh, shout out to RazorClothing.tv, SuperheroStuff.com, um, GamerWave, uh, the Deadliest Warrior crew, of course, Jeff D. Moline, uh, Max Geiger, Dr. Dorian, the crew at girlgamer.com, Gaming Angels, MMA Gospel, of course, the Silva, who's was in the chat, Gary, you can catch all those guys on uh, Wednesdays, 8.30, Blog Talk Radio, um, Josh from MMAValor.com for their kick-ass content, and you can check out all their other articles at MMAValor.com, and for the This Week in Wrestling podcast, of course, look for them on iTunes, or you can follow them on Twitter, T-I-W podcast on Twitter as well. Uh, the Darksiders crew, Hayden Dalton, follow him on Twitter at Hayden Dalton or go to Darksiders.com for any news for that. VGN crew, as always, check out VGNRadio.com for all their show schedules. Donnie's Tumbling with Tumbleweed Tuesdays, 10 o'clock. Blog Talk Radio Network, 411 Mania for their wrestling news and their MMA coverage, OC Remix for the music, MMA Junkie for all their other great MMA content, Film Drunk for the films, and that's it. My Take Radio episode 70 is in the can for Thursday, December 16th, 2010. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest, you can email me at mtrhost at gmail.com, or you can email mtrhost at mytakeradio.com, either work. Um, if you're on Twitter, you can follow me on my personal account, akuma25, A-K-U-M-A 25, or on the My Take Radio show account at mytakeradio. Of course, if you use MySpace, MySpace.com slash MyTakeRadio. Send a friend request. Let me know who you are. 
Always welcome to having new friends on there, even though MySpace is dying. And, of course, our Facebook fan page broke 550 fans today. Will you be 551? Facebook.com slash MyTakeRadio. Of course, you can find the MyTakeRadio app on the Apple iTunes store. Just type in MyTakeRadio. It's $1.99. Put down a latte, put down a hot dog, and uh, get yourself a nice kick-ass app to get all your MTR coverage. And, of course, you can check that on the iTunes store. You can get episodes on the iTunes store, your Zoom marketplace, from blogtalkradio.com's archives or from mytakeradio.com as well. So with that, episode 70 is done. Let's wrap it up. Happy holidays, guys. I'll see you all next week. I'm out. This week's music will be the Super Street Fighter 4 outro by Pixie Tricks and Zircon. You can get that at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org.